Hiya guys and gals, Scott Gardner here with a little pre-show message for you. You know, shortly after recording the show that you're about to hear, Two True Freaks received our long-awaited answer back from the folks at Star Wars Celebration, an upcoming event in August that uh, Chris and I have really, really been looking forward to, and uh, you've probably heard us discuss here on the show. We've been waiting an answer back from them regarding press passes for the show. We got our answer back, and uh, sadly, it wasn't exactly the news that we had hoped for. They were very kind enough to spot us a press pass, but I stress a press pass. We were only approved for one. According to the letter we got from them, that's, that's just their policy, and I understand that. But, you know, the show, as you well know, is called Two True Freaks, and it's called Two True Freaks for a reason. Chris Honeywell and I, you know, we're not just co-hosts. We're best friends for over 30 years now, literally. And uh, the show, you know, it's a team effort. It's the both of us. And we've had some really high hopes for this thing, uh, Star Wars Celebration. And we, we plan to do it together. We still plan to do it together. So this was quite a, a setback for us um, for a number of reasons. But, you know, I, I don't want to go into all the details of it. But, you know, understandably, I was pretty bummed out about this because it was just kind of another setback in a, and, and a number of setbacks. It, it came right on the heels of unwelcome news that, you know, Chris's bus ticket down here to Florida and just the cost of this whole thing is kind of mounting. And it, it's just going to be a hell of a lot more than we expected that it was going to be. So this added to that was just something we, it, it just was bad timing, just something we didn't need to hear. So anyway, as I say, I was kind of really bummed out about the whole thing. And without really thinking about it, which is, you know, it's just kind of, that's my thing. I don't really think things through sometimes. I, you know, I kind of took up my frustrations with the situation on Facebook. And I happened to mention in whatever I posted that, uh, you know, and I intended it to be totally in just kind of a, a passing fashion, you know, just kind of an offhand remark that, you know, if there was ever a time that we could really use, you know, a nickel in the offering plate kind of thing, now was the time. And like I said, it was just intended to be a passing remark, and I thought that that would be the end of it. I'll have a lot more to say about this and a a, a more proper and fitting thank you uh, to Michael Bailey in particular in this month's Comics Monthly Monday episode, which we just recorded last night, and you'll hear in a couple weeks. But basically, Mike really went to bat for us, doing something that I know full well he doesn't really like to do. I don't like to do it either, which is actually soliciting our listeners and our friends in the in the community um, for money, you know, for monetary donations um, to the show. I'm just not comfortable with that, and neither one of us. But Mike did that for us, and like I say, really went to bat for us. And immediately, immediately, you guys are our friends and our listeners. I mean, once again, it just shocked and amazed us with your outpouring of just honestly just love, love and support and well wishes and donations. And just completely, I'm I'm speechless. I mean, just completely blown away. You know, as if I needed reminding. I mean, you guys have have 
amply demonstrated over and over again that you are really um, devoted and dedicated to this show. And I, I'm just like I say, just speechless. I don't know what to say. I just thank you. I mean, uh, sincerely, sincerely appreciated. And um, you know, we still have a, a good ways to go to meet our, our actual goal for this thing. But this opening round was just wow. Um, very, very generous contributions that really bolstered our spirits. And uh, just thank you guys. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, we it is so appreciated. Special thanks, in particular, go out to uh, what I'm going to dub our first-round contributors here. Um, just a few names I want to throw out. Um, Kirk Landry, Christopher Keith, J. David Weeder, Paul Riches, and the Irredeemable Shag. Big old shout-out to Sean Engel, who, by the way, does the uh, Just One of the Guys podcast. Be sure that you're uh, listening to that show. Big shout-out to Sean for uh, going way above uh, above and beyond the call of duty on this one. Thank you, Sean. Also, my buddy David Pascarella, Tom Panarese, Marifort Manolid, and Justin Kaufman. Also, uh, very special thanks to our good friend, Chris Johnson, who was the very first contributor, and again, very generous donation. All you guys, thank you. You know, it, it's awesome. Thank you so much. And of course, again, we owe a huge debt of gratitude to uh, our, our podcasting chum and, and just a great guy and our friend Mike Bailey for really getting the raw, the, yeah, the raw, the ball rolling on this whole thing. Um, if you listening you know if you care to drop anything in the hat um, just follow our paypal link on the website every penny helps and again we're so grateful to you guys for helping us make this whole thing happen you guys are the best and now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast I sense a disturbance in the Force. You always sense a disturbance in the Force. We're doomed. I don't like this. Really pissed me off. Oh no! <laughs> it's a trap! Chewie, get us out of here! You can't run. Ow! Help me! Or two! This is where the fun begins. And now. Together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Kristen Abwell. Continue on your course, while I verify if Jabba the Hutt has a reward out for you. Consider this a head start.
Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is Star Wars Monthly Monday, number 42, and I am Scott Gardner. And joining me as always is my bestest pal in the whole Star Wars galaxy, Chris Honeywell. <laughs> was that a sick Wookiee? Is that what that was? Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm... <laughs> Itchy with my Wookiee porn on. <laughs> oh, I didn't need that. <laughs> How's it going, freak? Ah, pretty good. You know pretty what? Good? You know what feels good? I talked to you. It's what? It's night. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I know. You know, I'm wondering if if we want to disclose right here at the beginning of the episode, if, if if we should just let them peek behind the curtain a little bit and let them know we're having just a tiny little bit of a, I don't know if it's a, a Skype issue, an internet issue, I'm not sure what it is, but you guys won't hear this in the episode, but in our conversation, we discovered this problem last night, and it seems like it's persisting again tonight. There's a little bit of a, I don't know what even to call it, a, a lag, a volume drop, something going on between Chris and I, and I don't, you, you're not getting this on your end, right? It's just on my end? Okay. Yeah. So, so just so you guys don't think I'm being a bigger jerk than usual and walking all over Chris, there's, there's keeps, I keep getting these audio drops where I can't quite hear everything he's saying, so... Uh, we'll probably end up. I'll probably end up walking over you a bit during this recording. So I'm going to go ahead and apologize for that ahead of time. But uh, hey, what else is new? Uh, <laughs> 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 well, just because they won't hear it, I don't want people to think, God, you know, he just he was just what a jerk, you know. I mean, any more than they already do, anyway. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we, we can use that Skype la- lag story as as much as. You want. <laughs> Well, that and the fact I'm going deaf, you know, so. What? Uh, exactly. So, uh, let's, where to start? Where to start? I mean, I've got, uh, I've got some stuff here. I've got a nice little Star Wars stack of stuff to talk about, and I know you've got some stuff too, so where do we, where do we want to begin on this one? Well, do we want to start? My stack's a lot shorter than your stack, that's for sure. <laughs> well, let me get something out of the way right out of the, the, the gate here because I want to do a little bit of uh, tidying up, a little bit of house cleaning, so to speak. I keep a little stack of stuff next to my work area. And by the way, if you hear some, uh, some little clicky sort of noises, some little uh, camera noises, as we're recording this episode, I, I just I kind of got an idea the other day and I thought, well, let's, let's go ahead and kick that idea off. I have uh, my oldest boy here, Scotty, is uh, is taking some pictures in the background that uh, I intend to post eventually to, I don't know, Facebook or our forum or both or uh, something to that effect. Somewhere you'll see these pictures. Kind of a, uh, a glimpse behind the scenes, what Two True Freaks looks like while we're actually, you know, putting the show together kind of thing. Eventually, I might even uh, spruce it up with, with actual, like, screenshots of what it looks like as we were, you know... Uh, what do you call you it? Are, Editing episodes and what's that? You do have pants on this time, don't you? I had to put pants on for this one, yes. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Scotty says thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought it might be interesting, you know, just to, to kind of see. Listen, listen, I'm firing up my camera right now. I'll oh, take sweet. Pi- I guess I have to take pictures of myself podcasting, but. You have roommates. Get one of them to come in there and snap some pictures. 
Neither of them are home. Ah. Uh... Boy, this is gonna be this is gonna be choice. <laughs> 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 They're gonna be those Facebook pictures, you know, of the teenagers holding the camera away from them. I, oh, I, should, I hate those. Yeah, well, unless they're naked ones, you know. I'm gonna make the ducky kiss, the duck face, the kissy poo face that they all make too, when they take pictures of themselves. There we go. As you can hear, I'm making my kissy poo face. Click. That's what I call the you have to poke your beliefs like <laughs> I look actually it's more like it, it ends up being more like Popeye. Maybe I should take a high angle shot. This is some exciting <laughs> podcasting, isn't it, folks? <laughs> oh, that's the one that's all out of focus because my arms were shaking because I was erring so loud. Well, in addition, again. you know, my plan is that in addition of, of just some, some, you know, nice candid photos of, you know, us at work, you know, doing, recording this show, I intend to take some pictures of what it looks like in the editing process so that, you know, anybody that's just, just plain curious, whether you're a podcaster yourself or whether you're thinking about it or whether you're just curious, man, what does it look like behind the scenes? What kind of work and effort goes into, you know, slapping together your standard episode? Just kind of give you an idea of what it looks like. So, you know, as I say, uh, be on the lookout for that. More than likely, it'll just go to Facebook because that's just where it's easiest for me to... Uh, to post up pictures. Now I did get fussed out a while back because I posted up some pictures on Facebook and then all I did was link them to our forum and several people came out of the woodwork to say, Hey dude, I'm not on the Facebook thing. I just, I'm sorry. I, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get how in this day and age you can't be on Facebook. I can see how you don't want to be. I on can Facebook. see how you don't want to be, but look at, look at what you're missing. You know? Yeah. Don't you want to keep up with the awesomeness that is us through Facebook? I would think you would want to. My favorite part about Facebook is how basically I, this is the thing I love the most is getting up every morning and seeing what stupid pictures of kittens or <laughs> or political <laughs> statements, whether they be left or right, that somebody's cut and pasted and put up right. on as right. a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Facebook, but if we with these pictures, I will also post these pictures on our Tumblr page, tutufreaks.tumblr.com. Which, if you're not going to our Tumblr page, that's the like visual end of Two True Freaks. That's where, like, when I do the show art, I always take the master copy. That's usually a lot bit, you know, that if we post it up, would take up all of the page, so I have to shrink it down. But I put up the you know bigger, big old honkin' copies of the pictures of the art for our show and plus stuff that i found i find a lot of moving gifs that are star trek and star wars or or what we're related to what we're talking about that particular month or something that just strikes my fancy so it's it's sort of the it's sort of the visual end of of two true freaks you can go there and and look at some pretty pictures <laughs> none of that inconvenient reading words and all that <laughs> Some <laughs> creak up and down as a blab. Just pure pictures that you can drink in. Well, that 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 big sigh of just contentment for me is that I'm just I'm so happy to be back on format. I loved Kong Month. I really it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed. It. I hope you folks listen to it, especially uh, those of you that said Kong. I'm not gonna listen to that crap. <laughs> I hope you did go and listen to it. 
Um, but one way or the other, I'm really glad to be back on format. I loves me my Star Wars, and I'm just I'm ready to talk it up. Before we get into Star Wars, though, I do have uh, a quick shout out. You know, we were we we've joked several times on this show that because we are, of course, you know, self-admitted uh, sexist bastards, that you know, we long long ago disenfranchised any potential female listenership that we might have. However. It has come to my attention that uh, we do have at least one regular female listener. I'm not sexist. I'm just crude as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies, I have utmost respect for you, but I'll still talk about your private parts in graphic detail. But I don't (laughs) get anything bad by it. As a matter of fact, I admire you more Uh, for it. Big fan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm I'm, I'm a fanboy. (laughs) <laughs> but I wanted to shout out uh, Kathy Stearns, who uh, who I work with, who is uh, who is one of my uh, my cast member uh, teammate. I'm not sure what the the technical term is. I'm just gonna say cast member, fellow cast member. But uh, she informed me a while ago that uh, that she's now hooked on Two True Freaks. That she is a yeah, regular always- listener, and uh, I'm never sure how to feel about that when it's somebody that I actually know. <laughs> face to face you know it's like okay you know (laughs) should i watch myself you know should i keep on business as usual you know that's what i'm saying i'm saying i didn't think we had any women listening so i felt free to speak my mind now i have to now we're in mixed company i i'm (laughs) i don't know what to do but no i'm i'm very happy to have uh kathy as a as a regular listener welcome aboard and uh Continue gotta, to give me that live one-on-one feedback because I I like it. I need it. It ke- it, it keeps me in check. So, um, yes, absolutely thrilled. To, Ooh, does she thrilled give to you bad bad feedback to keep you in check? Not so much yeah. bad feedback, but I she mean, she just yeah. come up to you and go, "Do you shut up for even a minute?" Yeah, that was yeah, that was kind of it. I think I get you know? that a lot. <laughs> I do. I can't tell you how many. Honestly, you know, it's funny, but I can't tell you how many people have ever told me, like, either inside voice or you you do know that you never shut the fuck up, don't you? (laughs) Well, all right, let's dig into this thing, because we do have quite a bit to cover here, or at least I do. Um. All right, you guys got to forgive me because I do, of course, have that notorious, horrible memory, but I don't think I've talked about these. But in the off chance I have, I'm going to keep this real brief. Um, basically, I, I, I want to try to beef up my reading for, you know, all of our shows and just, you know, my own personal enjoyment and that sort of thing. But you, as you guys may or may not recall, a while ago, I was on a personal mission to uh, to get caught up on everything that is Star Wars, and that includes the uh, the expanded universe, and really try to get boned up on you know the the novels, of which there's like a zillion of them now. But uh, you know, so I've been on this read through, and I've been doing it in chronological order. I have kind of stalled out briefly, um, not through lack of interest or anything. I just, I really just got busy with other projects and stuff, but I plan to resume here shortly. But in the meantime, I've had a stack of books sitting on this pile that's that's ever present next to my, my little workstation here for Two True Freaks. A stack of stuff that I intend to talk about at some point, and there's several books that have just been sitting there forever in a day, and it's time to just get them the heck out of the way so I can put them back where they belong. First up is the uh, 
the second and third books of uh, A.C. Crispin's Han Solo trilogy. Just real quick, you know, along with those uh, Coruscant Night books or Cur- Coruscant Night books that were out uh, that I talked about a while ago, um, that trilogy of books and this Han Solo trilogy of books so far are my favorite reads that I've actually completed. They they are fantastic books. These Han Solo ones were so so good and uh i I had very few quibbles with with them at all i really enjoyed them i thought they were solid books and it was uh it was a real uh you know pleasant discovery that i liked them so much because i i didn't really expect that books that were just about han and chewie themselves without any of the other uh regulars would would really be that interesting to me because the classic han solo trilogy by brian daly I tried to get through those as part of this reread. I have read them years ago when I was a kid. I, I, I just couldn't make it. It's the only thing so far that I have actually had to put back on the shelf and just go, sorry, I, I couldn't finish it. They're, they just they just don't do it for me. Whereas these books were just really solid books. They really do shade in the character and the backstory of Han Solo. There were a few elements to them that I thought were a little bit too pat. There's a few there's a few instances of a little bit too much coincidence and there were a couple of character beats that they were interesting or they were good but they also um didn't quite jibe with the with the larger Star Wars picture and it's hard to talk about those without spoiling any of the read. But basically who Han's girlfriend ultimately turns out to be or you know the kind of person she turns out to be at the very end of the story doesn't seem to jive very good with with Han's later relationships and I'll just put it I'll just leave it at that you, you know if you read the books you'll figure out what I'm talking about and also Boba Fett pops up in the in this trilogy which was really awesome but again when you lump it in with all of Boba Fett's other appearances it really starts to add to that cumulative effect of making Boba Fett just look like a chump. You start to wonder after a while, how did this guy get this killer rep that he has when every time he meets up with Han or Lando or whoever he gets, you know, he gets upstage, he gets knocked out, he gets punked, you know, every single time. And that happens several times in this trilogy. But it was still cool when he did pop up, even though that always seemed to happen. He, he, he almost becomes clownish by the end of it. Uh, going to uh, Chewbacca's home planet was really cool in this. Doesn't quite end up syncing up with things that we'll find out later with the, with the prequel trilogy and all that. P- parts of the prequel trilogy now conflict with statements that are made in this Han Solo trilogy. But ultimately, if you just take it as its own entity... It's a really solid read, and I really enjoyed it, and I highly, highly, highly recommend uh, the the three of them. The other thing that I recently read, and this was a reread for me. Um, I hadn't read them since they were brand new when I was a kid. And again, I think I may have talked about these recently, so I'm going to make it real brief. Was the, uh, the Lando Calrissian trilogy by L. Neil Smith. Now I've got the original books. I, I bought them, you know, as they were originally released back in uh, '83 and '84, and uh, read them once. And I liked some, and didn't think so much of others. And so I was curious to reread them again after all these years. How would they hold up? 
And I was really pleasantly surprised that the first two books hold up really well, especially the second book. And it's a trilogy, and the three books are, uh, you know, each one is called you know, Lando Calrissian and The. And the first one's Mind Harbor Sheru, the second one's Flame Wind of Oceon, and the third one's Star Cave of Thon Baca. They're not Star Wars in the way that we would traditionally think of Star Wars. They're uh, probably the closest comparison I could pull would be to something like the uh, the Star Wars newspaper strips. How they they were a little more science fictiony, uh, maybe a little more Star Trek, because it was you know those those infancy days of the of the expanded universe. So Star Wars was a little you know wilder and woollier and more science fictiony than it than it eventually settled down to be. But there's still a really solid read. The bad guy in the the Lando Calrissian trilogy is still one of my favorite Star Wars bad guys. You know, beyond you know Vader and Boba Fett and and guys like that, he's a, a really solid villain. Uh, called Rucker Gepta, and the second book in that trilogy is fantastic. It's you know it's Lando's version of The Empire Strikes Back. Really, really solid book. Unfortunately, the third book to me is is really weak and kind of a snoozer. It's basically Lando Calrissian and the Space Whales. It's kind of it's a clunker. But the first two books really solid, especially the second book. So. Uh, Again, I recommend them, and uh, you can pick those up on the cheap. And the the Lando ones were recently collected in a reprint that was just called it was called Classic Star Wars: The Lando Calrissian Adventures. It was three novels in one book, and I know you can pick that thing up cheap because oh. I've seen it around at. Like, I've I, I've huh? seen hardcovers of that around too from a few from years back where they put all three of those Landos together. And I'll bet you if you go to your Barnes and Noble, you can find them in the used book section. And they're going out of business, so there's a lot of dollar books there. So, yeah. So that was pretty much that. Like I say, just a little bit of house cleaning. And again, I, I do sincerely apologize if I've already covered these. But I wanted to make sure that I did get to them one way or the other. I wish that my synops- or you know my coverage of them was a little more thorough, especially the Han Solo books, because I did enjoy them so very much. But it has now been literally months since I read them, so some of the details and things I, you know, had specific points about have kind of fallen by the wayside. But there's so many of the things I, I would love to talk about with these books that would end up spoiling details of the story that I, I think are best left just discovered by reading the books. That I just want to put out that recommendation again: pick up the AC Crispin Han Solo series. It's really good star wars and i think you'll really enjoy it um next up i just wanted to brag a little bit and let you guys know that you know these comics that we're covering as part of star wars monthly monday you know you don't have to spend a fortune to to track down these back issues i I hope that you know those of you that have never read them or haven't read them in a long time or you read them as you you were a kid but you don't have the issues anymore you know if, if your appetite has been wet enough to seek these out you can get these stories on the cheap. And just to prove my point, just this past week, I scored Star Wars Omnibus a long time ago, which reprints issues 50 through 67 and the King Size Annual number 2, which we will eventually cover. Now, if you've been listening to this show, you know that 50 through 67 are some of the best issues of the entire series. I mean, we raved about those. That, that's set firmly 
in the era between the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, stuff that you know you and I really, really enjoyed covering, Chris. And uh, I got this volume. I bought it off of eBay. Total shipping and everything, $4.98. And this is a $25 book full retail. So they're out there wow. to be had on the cheap. So, yeah, be on the lookout. You can score these uh, great, great back issues so cheap. And this is the volume that uh, the cover that they used, the artwork that they used for the cover on this was that fantastic um, cliffhanger ending with Vader coming out of that blaze of light going, Luke Skywalker, I have come for you. That's the image they're using for the cover, and it's awesome. It is so, so pretty. Because that is one of my favorite cliffhangers, one of my favorite pieces Ever. of art. And uh, it's beautifully recolored and, uh, and used as the cover for this book. And uh, yeah, highly, highly, highly recommend it. I think in total there ended up being, I want to say, five volumes to that. So I still lack the last two volumes. But I think that was the, the total altogether was five volumes reprints all of Marvel Star Wars. And uh, like I say, it's out there to be had. So, yeah. You, hmm? Oh, well, I, I as you know, I go garage sailing all the time and I'm always looking for Star Wars stuff. So I figured this summer was going to be, you know, this part. Usually I'm like, I got nothing except I like Star Wars. But, <laughs> um, so I was like, OK, summer season's here. I'm hitting garage sales this year regularly. I'll be uh, piling up my Star Wars stuff. But slim pickings on on Star Wars. I didn't. I, I found a remote controlled R2-D2. <laughs> oh, cool. One of the classic ones. No, it's it's more modern, but I didn't buy it. And actually, I just remembered this little story, so I do have a little story. So we get to the, I see the R two D two, and when we're we're walking up to the house, my roommate and I, there's this little kid there, and he's he's swinging a sword around, and I'm talking, you know, six, seven years old maybe, you know, little little toe headed blonde kid you know with a slightly oversized head like little kid just a, your average <laughs> suburban little kid little hydrocephalic kid yeah <laughs> but he's he's spazzing out swinging this sword around swinging it near my roommate and he's hacking this tree and I'm like that's a pretty realistic sword that kid has then I realize it's a real sword it's metal and it's sharp and he's doing that thing you know when kids will swing something they'll sort of let their limbs go their arms and legs arms go loose and they're flopping around and it's just a sort of random hacking and I'm like and his, the, his parents are sitting at a table you know with with the stuff there and they're just calmly watching him and you know meanwhile my roommate's getting freaked out because this kid's like I mean coming real close to her with the sword so I'm looking at the, the um, R2-D2 and I'm like oh how much for the R2-D2 and the kid sidles up he goes five dollars I'm like, hmm, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I want to pay five bucks. And then he tried to Jedi mind trick me. He goes, <laughs> buy it, <laughs> buy it. And I'm like, I am not going to buy this just so this, just so this little, I don't reinforce to this little bastard that he's using Jedi mind tricks, you know, <laughs> especially the way he was handling that sword. He, you know, uh, we were definitely talking Sith here. So I didn't get it. So there's there's a Star Wars thing that I didn't get. What I did get was years ago at another garage sale, I got the one of the most bizarre 
toys ever. It's Darth Vader riding a motorcycle, a sort of space motorcycle, you know, with one hand on the on a steering wheel and one hand swinging with his lightsaber. And it's just bizarre, you know. And I found the Luke Skywalker that goes along with it. So now I have Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, and their and their sword arms are opposite, so they're meant probably. I think I can't figure out if it's supposed to if you work them because I don't have the other part to them, which would be either a rev up type of thing like an evil Knievel launcher, or that giant zip tie thing you know that you would stick down in and pull out. You know what I mean, like right. the little plastic tab thing. I don't. It was something like that would get them going, and then I think you would shoot them off towards each other, and you know, so their lightsabers would hit, and that they would crash up real good. So now I got a, a Luke Skywalker and a, and a Darth Vader of them, and they're very strange. You know, why why are they riding motorcycles? You know, why would they have <laughs> Star Wars <laughs> motorcycles? So it doesn't make any sense, and they don't even try to make them. You know, the Darth Vader's motorcycle looks like something that like you know Batman could drive. <laughs> but uh, the only other thing I got, and I'm going to be harping about this till August, is Star Wars Celebration is coming up. Yes, and it looks like I'm I'm doing okay on the eBay, so I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna actually be able to get my bus ticket down there and go there. So anybody who's been thinking of going, go, go. <laughs> Don't think, go. We're we're gonna have a a, a nice meetup. Uh, with with so many friends of ours in, in the in the two true freaks in podcasting community, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we, you know, there's always room for more. But uh, yeah, I'm so so looking forward to this because you know, not only is it going to be a fun time, there's all kinds of really nice you know events and things going to be going on, and there's going to be you know all the costumes and the stars of the saga and things like that. But uh, I'm I'm just really looking forward to just hanging out with our friends. You know what I mean? And and so many people that up till now, you know, they're they're just you know they're they're an internet identity or something. You know, really putting you know faces they're, to names and things like that. And that, that's what I'm really looking forward to the most. It's on Skype and a face that I've pasted on some <laughs> on that, you know movie poster and, and and you know there's so much more than that. But at the same time, it's going to be great to meet him in person. It's going to be great to have, you know, from that point on, it's all us. I love when that happens, too, because from that point on, you can picture them after that, you know? Exactly. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And you'll be hearing us. You'll be going off. By the, like, <laughs> 10 shows this, you're just going to be going off. We know. God almighty. Yes, I know. That's August 23rd through the 26th in Orlando, Florida. Yes. And we will we will be there. We will have full full coverage. Well, I got a what I felt was like like a little taste of uh, of what it's going to be like. Um, it, it definitely helped wet my appetite. Um, this past month I went to uh, to Star Wars weekends. We're here in Orlando at uh, at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios at the Walt Disney World Resort, so I got to go to that, and uh, I had a blast. I went the second day, I went the first Saturday that they had it, and just for a few hours, I took just a few pictures and, and things like that. It was uh, 
after work, so I was uh, I was kind of tired, so I just hung out for a couple hours and just kind of wandered around to check out, you know, more more than anything, I was really checking out the attendees because one of the cool things for me every time I go to this is checking out the the latest Star Wars T-shirts that are out there. That's that's yeah. what I really get a kick out of, and so I was wandering around just. You know, as I say, checking out the crowd, taking pictures, and and that sort of thing, and uh, and really getting a feel for you know what was at Star Wars weekends this year. But as far as attending it myself, um, I waited and I went the last weekend because I liked that guest lineup best. And uh, one of the big ones that was there. Well, I'll, I'll read you the list. Here's everybody that was that was in attendance for the last weekend. We had uh, James Arnold Taylor, who was, uh, does the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Plo Koon on uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. I'll be talking a little bit more about him in just a minute. Ashley Eckstein was there, who does uh, Ahsoka's voice on Clone Wars. Daniel Logan, who was uh, young Boba Fett in uh, Star Wars episodes. Uh, it says here two and three. Was he in three? He wasn't in three, was he? No. No. That's, that's, that's a... Yeah. I that's thought that Hope's was boyfriend. <laughs> um... Michonne, and I still do not know how to pronounce her name, but or, or, uh, I'm not even going to try, that play Aura Singh for all of like three seconds in uh, Star Wars Episode One, And uh, Nika Futterman was there. Um, she's the voice of Asajj Ventress in The Clone Wars. I wow. was really curious to know, what does that chick look like in real life? And she's pretty much what you would expect. And uh, she was she's a trip, man. She is it's- hilariously funny. It's hard to it's hard to tell with those voice actors what they look like because they're so flexible with their voices, you know. Right. Especially especially the female ones because you just yeah. It, it, well, it's hard to tell with any of them. Yeah. Well, she uh, she I think is like your kind of girl. You know, she's she's really cute, kind of really? creepy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Ashley Eckstein, I have the biggest crush <laughs> on her cuz she is just a living doll. She is such a she's such a little cutie. She's a sweetheart. But the big one, the one I was really the most excited about and the one that I I waited to the last weekend uh to to go see was Jeremy Bullock who played uh Boba Fett in Empire and Jedi was there. And I was really, really excited about that. Now, I went fully with the intention of meeting him. And I was really hoping to get either a soundbite or uh, something signed or both if I was lucky enough. However, didn't work out the way I had planned. I totally... I I had never gone for one of the autographing sessions before. I've always been very um, put off by basically the the line system and, and how they queue up for that sort of thing i'm just not about the wait you know what i mean so yeah, patience I, isn't one of your big virtues no no not at all but you know so we we got up bright and early and and we went to be there right at open just so that i could i could get in that line i could get my pass or whatever you needed to do for the um for the autographing sessions they were all gone so missed out on that but uh, we did uh, attend the parade. They have this awesome—I forget exactly what they call it—but it's it's this parade, this motorcade that comes right down the street, and that's where they also have the uh, the five hundred first Legion um, march. And we staked out, and what turned out to be an excellent spot for that. We were actually right at the beginning of the motorcade, 
So when the doors opened to the backstage area where these people come out for the parade, we were right there. So we got like an excellent view, you know, all the way down the parade route backstage. We could see everybody as they were, you know, queuing up to be the next, you know, bit to come on stage and, and march down the street for the parade. So it actually was a really good view. I ended up being like arms reach away from from Jeremy Bullock as he went by in his in his car in the motorcade. So that was really cool. Some awesome costumes. Uh, the 501st put on once again a great show this year. Lots of stormtroopers, lots of clone troopers, and then just lots of costumes that uh, you know, just you know, random Star Wars. Just about any kind of alien or character you can think of was was well represented, and it was a lot of fun. And we went to uh, to two of the shows. They put on several shows um, each year, you know, different, uh, just different, like, behind-the-scenes or meet-the-stars type of shows. And we went to two of them, um, one of them being uh, the Behind the Force show, which uh, was hosted by uh, Ashley Eckstein. And uh, both uh, James Arnold Taylor and Nika Futterman put in appearances at that. And it was really, it was, it was all Clone Wars-centric. So it was all talking about the show and kind of recapping season four and then it had a nice uh, uh, teaser for season five which looks like it's going to be really good too i'm getting caught back up on my on my clone wars i kind of oh, fell good. behind for a while but i am right now i'm about i'm a little more than halfway through season four and really yeah. really digging it yeah i they, told you yeah there was a, a storyline in there with uh with a a, a jedi um, general that uh, I really really enjoyed so yeah hopefully we can figure out a way to uh, to squeeze back in some uh, some Clone Wars coverage on this show I know we kind of slacked off on that for a while but yeah you got, I, you got some interesting ones coming up too I'm very curious to see what you think of some of the ones coming up I'm, I'm digging it I'm really enjoying the show one that I wanted to talk about briefly um, the show that James Arnold Taylor puts on it's called Obi-Wan and Beyond this guy is amazing. And here, here's what the actual uh, show, how it's described. It says, James Arnold Taylor, Hollywood voice actor behind uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Star Wars The Clone Wars, as well as an entire galaxy of popular characters, takes Star Wars Weekend's guests on a fun, fascinating journey into a uh, unique world of voice acting. See if you can keep up with over 150 voices that James performs. Stage every voice you've heard. 
that just doesn't even begin to do the show justice. The guy is amazing. I mean, not only does he do a lot of voices that you'll instantly recognize, like uh, you know, like Fred Flintstone and Johnny Test and a number of other voices that he does for other cartoon characters, but he's just an amazing mimic. For those of you that may not know, Plo Koon is another Jedi in the world of Star Wars, and on the Clone Wars, I'm the fortunate actor that gets to actually do his voice. It's a great honor for me because Dave Filoni, our supervising director, his favorite character is Plo Koon. And so the direction Dave gave me when coming up with the voice was one word, Gandalf. He wanted that Ian McKellen sound and feel. And I gotta tell you, with a voice like that, it's hard to not sound important. You know? Well, it's said that a great thespian could make anything sound dramatic, exciting, or compelling just by reading, you know, like from the phone book to, uh, Stereo instructions. Stereo speaker installation. Watch connecting the left and right speaker interfaces. One must be certain to make the connections properly. For if the cords are not firmly plugged in, can do anything from you know marty mcfly to al pacino to i mean there was a point in the show right near the like the grand finale of the show where up on the screens in the in the auditorium where you see the show they just filter through this it's almost like a slideshow but it's presented in a movie it's like one of those timeline thing you know like a connect the dots type of timeline going from character to character to character to actor to actor and all these different just faces in rapid succession and as it would switch from face to face and character to character he would switch his voice to whoever it was that was on the screen and it was incredible now as i mentioned my work as a voice actor is doubling celebrities a lot of times when they're not available so if they're not there to do their voice i fill in for them uh, anywhere from Neil McGregor to Johnny Depp, Michael J. Fox, and all the like. And it's great fun to do, but it's also something, uh, in doing it, I've discovered something. And that is, all voices are tones. And basically, you can get from one tone to the next tone by, uh, you know, adding a little depth, uh, giving a little texture, raising up the pitch, or throwing in an accent that you know, yeah. So, let me give you an example. Let's, uh, well, let's just start with my regular voice. Hang on. <laughs> okay, well, so anyways, well, if we start somewhere right about here, we find that there are many actors' voices who are very similar to mine. Uh, one that I recently discovered, which I love doing, is Michael Emerson from Lost. You remember, he played Benjamin Linus, and he had such a way of talking that everything he said sounded a little creepy and just a little off. Now, if you take the creep out and make it a little more folksy and friendly, you get Ron Howard. Lose the phone, give it some soul, and it's just in Timberlake. Now it's becoming like a social network of voices. Use some wizardry in the British accent, you get Daniel Radcliffe. Lay it back, give you a twine, you get yourself Matthew McConaughey. Who, if you flip over, you'll get Keith Ledger's the Joker, and he completes me. Shift it over just a little, and it's Christian Slater, who'll be dropped down and told his Jack Nicholson. 
You raise it back up and seem less interested, and you get David Spade. Who you are? Oh, but McLovin, then I totally sound just like, oh, wait a second, Doc, this is happening, it's me again. So let's say, can you drop it down a bit? And then you get Shia LaBeouf. Well, wait a second, Optimus, you need to tell me my car is a robot? Well, I gotta tell you, this is like unbelievable. You know, I gotta go tell Sandy, because it's crazy, the light, his voices, and it's wine. The way I break up my sentence structure is not that dissimilar to a smarter than the average bar. Hi, lovely boy, lovely boy here. <laughs> hey, friend, there is Sandy. You probably connect the voices there. You just gotta shoot him on the hood, the good, the good, the good, the good. Gun, gun, gun. Gun, gun, gun. You talking to me, huh? You talking to me, young guy, young guy? Well, for courage, you won't sorry. It's just, I love you, Spartacus. Oh, and I love me too. Wait a minute, dum-dum, you sound like me. All right, call me panic. Panic's my middle name. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> oh, you'll be young and it's on Mr. Ranger and he'll have to come and I come off of the Kansas Oh, yeah, like a Kansas spinach. <laughs> well, blow me down and hoo-ha, okay? You haven't noticed how the Chino's slowly turning into, uh, Chairman from Taxi, okay, okay? I mean, where it's come? There's a direct correlation between forces. This is temporal experiment number one. If you take Dr. Rinna Brown and teach him karate, you get Hong Kong food. Number one, super guy. Give him a British accent and you get John Hurt. Take away the accent and bring it down a little more controlled. You're almost like this and Alec Baldwin. And if you drop that down, it's Christian Bale as Batman. And if you take that and drop it down lower to almost a whisper, it's Jack Palance. Actually, I think it's Eastwood. Punk. Well, go ahead. Make my voice. Well, that depends on your definition of the word voice. Because if you get by the suffrage way, you get Nicholas Cage. Well, he seems to start a sentence here, but by the end, he's really hard to lay up here! You know, he's kind of crazy like a Frank Caliendo from John Landon. All right, Dana Carvey doing Regis Philbin, he's out of control. Now I got a new Dana Carvey, I'm doing George Bush, I have to be proven, I got a new Dana Carvey doing Johnny Carson. Of course, if I want to do the real Johnny Carson, I've got to drop my voice down and tell him right about here. Hi, all right. Okay, or is it? Yeah, honey. It's not Johnny Carson, love. It's Johnny Depp. There's sometimes a pirate. Other times, you know. Oh, he's a chocolatier. Oh, 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 oh. This is making me matter than a hatter, Alice. <laughs> oh, that's funny with the matter and the hatter. Whoa, 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 whoa. Funny how? Funny like a clown that I'm here and use you? Because I'm not a clown. I'm a chicken, huh? And you're my chicken. No, 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 boy. I say, I say, you got it all wrong, son. I'm not a chicken. I'm, I'm a therapist, boy. What do you mean? You should check out for the record. Because it's an inconvenient truth that life is like a box of chocolates. Chocolates are cool. I like the ones with the peanut that's all I'm starting to running and, 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 and screaming. It's like me in a relationship, even if it's very bad. It's or me playing in a relationship. Oh, sweet. Either way, it's a no-win situation, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I gotta go train my dragon, you sound like me, I sound like you. We move our voices sideways, and you get all to your mind. Or is it Paul Reiser? You know what I'm saying? But the real question really is, who are these people? It's so like Stanley and Scoob, all these crazy voices like going together. Ha ha! Tricky! Tricky it is. 
Yes, yes. Near and far! Right, pretty. Did you say tricky, Nikotani, don't tell you? Oh, yeah, I'll get more respect at all. If I can't, that'd be great. Yes, soon. Yeah, but damper. Don't do it. Oh, I must say, I'm quite mental about the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, Shazbot, no, no, no. Oh, hey, oh, hey, hey, where is it? Spot, stop, Zulu. Jiddy, jiddy, jiddy. King, get me off this crazy thing. Lady with the thing in the flight and in the height in it. If it's to Megatronics, it stays left in one. Hop, 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 He was trying to to illustrate the point that voices all essentially are the same. It's just in how you change, you know, your pitch, your tone, your inflection, that sort of thing. And you can go in this incredible range of, of voices. And he linked together all these voices that you would think are completely dissimilar. But the way he, he does the presentation shows you that, you know, kind of Kevin Bacon effect. You know what I mean? And it was just and, amazing. Yeah, like this person's voice is a combination of this person's voice and this person's Exa voice. Yep. And you had a Brooklyn accent and there you got this. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. I was really blown away with it. It was really fantastic. And he is just a, a really, really cool and uh, and very positive person. I'm not typically one for messages in a show or in a in a you know in any sort of a medium, you know, where somebody, you know, gets kind in of a presentation. Yeah. yeah. And he does that at the very end of his show, but it was it really was one of those moving things where you could see you know just how much this meant to him that this just this wasn't just you know a star coming in and you know getting paid his two bits and putting on a presentation and yeah 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 you know thanks you know it was a paycheck this really meant a lot to him and that comes through in, in what he says at the conclusion of, of his shows well, this is my favorite part because all of that is fun and and that is all i've ever wanted to do is entertain people and do voices and, and make people laugh and but you know the biggest thing is, is I've been very blessed to be able to be all these various iconic characters through my career. But I can tell you, it's not easy to always get your dreams and, and your goals and to keep them inside and, and to keep them in your sights. And that's the main thing. The message that I want to give you all here is I know it's not easy having a dream. And I know that each one of us struggles harnessing that dream and taking it to the next step. And you know, for me, uh, as a kid, these dreams were my way out of all the troubles that surrounded me. And, and it was great to do, but even when I became a voice actor in Hollywood, I got hit with struggles, as we all do. And there was one about seven years ago that nearly ended my career. Um, my wife and I were about to adopt our daughter from China, and we uh, bought a house that was going to be our dream house. And it went into it very quickly. We had electrical problems, we had gas leaks, we had foundation issues. And we had toxic mold growing in our walls, black mold. And I was the lucky person that found it. Thankfully, my wife did not. But uh, the thing about this mold is it did something 
that we never could have expected. It took my voice. And what I mean is I came down with such massive laryngitis and throat infections that it made it really painful to talk and not much more than just little croaks on a frog. And it was hard. I had to figure out what am I going to do? This is what I've always wanted to do and I'm living my dream and now what? And I think so many of us get hit with that now what? And so I just want to tell you right now, your now what is there. It's, it's there for you to find and it's there to make you stronger. Because I thought doctors and dietitians and throat specialists, I saw all of them, and I spent a lot of time on my knees, and that was the one thing that really told me, you know what, this is to make you stronger. This is to make you find different ways of doing things. I had to change my diet, I had to change my life, I had to change the way I exercised, the way I breathed, basically, the water I drank, everything in my life had to change. But it did, and I was able to kind of come back and do it bigger and stronger and better, and I found new ways of doing it. And that's what I want to tell you right now. Whatever it is that you have, a dream inside of you that you have put down and you're not doing, do it for me. Do it for your family. Do it for your friends. Do it for yourself. So you can wake up and you can feel good about getting up in the morning and you can feel like I'm doing something that is going to change my world. You don't have to change the world. You have to change your world and make it better for you and all your family. You have that inside you. Every person in this room and I want you all to grab it. Because remember, you heard a lot of people here today. But think about it. It was all one man and one thought. But... Talking to myself. Thank you so much. God bless you. Lastly, I didn't get to participate in this, but I thought it was really cool. They they tried something new at um, Star Wars Weekends this year. They actually had a carbon freezing chamber there, and they had something that they were calling nice. it, they were calling it a carbon freeze me, and uh, it was a thing that they put on. It says, uh, "Remember when Captain Han Solo was frozen in carbonite on Bespin by Darth Vader?" It says, "Now you can uh, cast yourself in carbonite with the carbon freeze me experience." It says created exclusively for Disney parks. This experience creates a three D, uh, excuse me, a three dimensional. 8-inch carbonite-like figurine inspired by the classic scene from uh, Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back. I really wanted to do it. The uh, It's got to cost a fortune. Uh, yeah, huh? it, was a, it was a little bit prohibitive for, uh, for the Gardner household. But uh, if you go on over to uh, Inside the Magic, Ricky Berganti's show, I'm not sure exactly what show it was that he covered this, but he had it done. And uh, I thought it was really cool because I was looking at work. Uh, we, you know, we have an, a, a Disney intranet, you know, that's that's just for cast members. And I was on it looking through it one day, and there was a whole feature article in there about the Carbonite experience. You know, it was explaining it, you know, how basically how you sell it to guests. You know, if, if you're questioned, what is it, you know? And I'm looking through this article, and there was all these pictures. And I get down to this one article, or this one picture, rather, and I go... <laughs> that's Ricky Brigani. I know that guy. You know, so it was really cool to see that he, Ooh. whether intentional or not, he's actually the face in the article explaining the process and everything. So I thought that was really neat. And uh, I wonder if I could get Piss Pot the Rabbit frozen in carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> I finally, I, shut him I, up. I, I know if you pay your two bits, man, maybe. I don't. I don't know. 
But or, I thought or if you put like, like a like a Freddy mask on, or you know or a Jason mask on or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but I thought that was cool. I'm I'm pretty sure the thing is closed now. I I believe it closed on the. Uh, I'll say like the 16th or something like that. But uh, if, if it was, po- I'm curious how popular it was and how they did on it. I would imagine probably pretty popular. So I'll be very curious if either they bring it back next year or or what they might, you know, what what might be the new thing next year. But I thought that was really cool. And, I want uh, one. Yeah, I would. I would love to do that. But uh, it, it was a lot of. We had a complete blast. And what was really cool is. Uh, I was so jealous, you know, all these people walking around with these really awesome Star Wars t-shirts. And as I say, I'm always on the prowl for a new Star Wars t-shirt. So my wife took me out for a little bit of clothes shopping, which <laughs> doesn't happen for me very often. And uh, she ended up buying me this uh, this new Star Wars shirt. And it's great. It's, uh, it's Cloud Cities in the background. And it's Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper riding a roller coaster together in Cloud City. And Darth Vader's looking, there, you know, just sitting there looking very calm cool and collected you know and the stormtrooper's got his arms raised over his head going arms up in the air (laughs) it's awesome but so that was my official uh attire for uh for star wars weekends but we we had an absolute blast and it actually uh the the t-shirt turned out to be very appropriate because uh i am not a roller coaster guy whatsoever but somehow or other i i got fooled and uh and ended up going on the rock and roller coaster for my very first time and you know what I dug it. I thought it was pretty awesome. Oh, you bastard. You were like, let's not go on. You don't want to go on the rock and roll roller coaster. That probably sucks. Well, you could go on it if you want, but I don't want to go on this stupid thing. <laughs> you bastard. No, it was it was really neat. I, I liked it a lot. I was, I was very worried going on to that thing, but I ended up enjoying it a lot. But uh, I have posted all kinds of pictures from, uh, from Star Wars Weekends. They're up on Facebook. You can check those out. And, uh, one of my favorite pictures was a little girl whose skirt was made out of, uh, it was a, uh, whatever you call it, material. I don't know where her mom had got this, but it was material that was reprinting all of the Marvel Star Wars comic book covers all over the material, and she made a skirt out of it for her little girl. I thought that was really cool. I, I was I was actually jealous. You know, it's like I would love to have that as like bed like sheets a, or a pillow or something, you know. Three-piece suit. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And a tie. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah. We uh, we got in line. You know, I, ne- I hardly ever, I won't say I never, but I hardly ever get in line for characters, you know. It's just one of those things. I, I think that's best reserved for kids. You know, the that that's that's a magical thing for kids to, yeah, know, wait in line to meet you know Mickey or whoever they want to meet. But this year, somebody was there that I, I just had to to get in line for, and that was Boba Fett. And the Boba Fett that was there, I don't know, I don't know if he was Disney's or if he was Five O First. I'm I'm not sure how it works with character meet and greets. But the costume was absolutely amazing. Dead on, you know, perfect movie accuracy and everything. So we get in line early for Boba Fett. We wait in line probably an hour or so before Boba comes out. Then he comes out. We're not very far back in the line, but the line wasn't, you know, progressing real fast either. So it was probably an hour wait for him to come out and then probably an hour wait to get up to 
meet, you know, to be the ones that were going to get to meet him. And just as we get there to Boba Fett, Boba goes on break. I'm like, no! So then they bring out Django. So it was Django that we ended up getting our pictures with, which was really cool. But it was like, oh, you, you got to be kidding me! All that time waiting, and then and then we missed our photo opportunity with uh, with Boba Fett. All right, get what you need, then continue on your course if you know what's good for you. But it was still, it was really, it's a lot of fun. If uh, you know, if you guys ever have the opportunity to get out for uh, for Star Wars weekends, definitely do it. It's it's such a blast. It's just there's nothing quite like being in a park full of thousands of people that get you. You know what I mean? That that totally get when you make you know a, a goofy little Star Wars reference to anything at all, and they and they know exactly what you're talking about. You know, you're you're not going to get that that glance from your wife or the eye roll or whatever. You're, you're, you're in a park with, you know, thousands and thousands of other people that know exactly what goofy thing it is you're referring to. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. Such a blast. And uh, it's really, really, really got me hyped up for, uh, for Star Wars Celebration. Man, I am, I am super excited about this. Cannot wait. So... That's pretty much all I've got. Do we want to uh, maybe take a little break and come back with uh, Marvel Star Wars? I think that sounds like a good idea. Sweet. We'll be right back.
Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Do we violate the treaty, Captain? Red alert! All hands, battle station! What are you scratching at? Can we just get down to it, please? Federal attack, all hands battle station. No! Monthly Mondays, available the second Monday of every month at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Just once, in a lifetime, does a podcast come along that pushes the boundaries of the medium, that redefines what it is to be an internet radio broadcast that touches us, reaches into us, inspires us, teaches us, that causes us to re-examine just who we are and why we are, that expands our horizons, that makes us completely rethink our destiny in this cosmos and our place in the grand design. Just once in a lifetime. But while we're all waiting for that podcast to be invented, why not give a listen to Hey Kids Comics? Hey Kids Comics is a smart, fresh, and hilarious podcast that looks at all kinds of fun and interesting topics related to the ever-evolving world of the comic book art form. You can find Hey Kids Comics at aplayland.podomatic.com. That's Hey Kids Comics. Sorry. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Welcome back to Star Wars Monthly Monday number 42. And uh, we're about to get into the Marvel Comics Star Wars segment. And what a beautiful little segue here. One last thing I wanted to share. I wanted to throw out a shout out and thank you to uh, our overseas friends, <laughs> the Leylands. Uh, Mr. Andrew Leyland, his beautiful wife, Angela, 
is uh, sons Michael and Adam and their little daughter Anya. They sent me the sweetest little thing in the mail the other day. It was a Star Wars t-shirt, and not just any Star Wars t-shirt. It was a Marvel Comics Star Wars t-shirt. And I have been wanting one forever. You know, I'm, I'm always so jealous when I see other people wearing these Marvel Star Wars shirts. And I'm always like, dude, where did you get that? I can never find one. I still don't. Ha- well, up until now, I haven't had one. This one actually reprints the classic cover to uh, Marvel Comics Star Wars number 18. This is that Carmine Infantino cover where uh, C-3PO is holding the unconscious Luke Skywalker on the cover. And they're surrounded by stormtroopers. And the stormtroopers saying, there's the wounded rebel spy. Vaporize him and the droids. And underneath, you know, underneath the Star Wars logo, it says the Empire Strikes. You know, remember the one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Great, great cover. And it is on a beautiful, bright pink t-shirt. Nice. <laughs> And here's the note that came with the shirt. It says, we thought this was your color. (laughs) Love and hugs. The Leylands. Nice. (laughs) Why do I got to be Mr. Pink? (laughs) And, uh, but uh, thank you very much. I thought that that was really, really awesome. That was very nice of them to remember me and, uh, and send that. So, Thank you so much. And with that <laughs> nice little segue, I'm going to hand it off to Chris for Star <clears throat> Wars number 89. Yes, as Scott said, it's Star Wars number 89. <laughs> this is from way back in November 1984. Remember when the George Orwell-type world took over? And uh, you only had to pay 60 goddamn cents for a comic book. <laughs> All right, we've got story by Ann Nascenti, art by Brett Blevins, who also did the cover, lettering by Joe Risen, <laughs> Glennis Wine Colors, Louise Jones, editor, and Jim Shooter, of course, the editor-in-chief. And uh, the, the cover of this has Luke. Uh, I like Brett Blevins' art. I don't like his cover art on this. It looks looks kind of sketchy. He's sort of, you know, hunkered down with his lightsaber and this giant red guy that looks like some bad guy from Marvel Comics in the 90s with a steel patch on bolted onto his head is coming up behind him, you know, reach, reaching out. It's it's not a terrible cover, but it's not the greatest. It's funny cuz your note is exactly the same as mine. I said I like Brett Blevins, I don't like this cover. I, I like actually cover. had dubbed this cover uh Luke versus Sweetums cuz I think he looks a little bit like Sweetums from the Muppets. I can't put my finger on it, but there's some Marvel bad guy that he sort of reminds me of. You know, he's got a, he's big and red, like a kind of Hulk-like with long white hair and a big, mm-hmm. big toothy. He doesn't look. You can't see it here, but when you see him in the comic, he looks kind of piratey. You know, he's got the jutting chins type of right. stuff. But anyway, our Star Wars story for today is: I'll see you in the throne room, and. So our story begins with uh, Luke Skywalker helping the rebels of the Ten Sunned Planet, Soleil, Oil of Soleil. Cirque du Soleil? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) He's helping them mop up the dregs of the Empire, and uh, he's having a great time just sort of fighting, you know, along with the planet's sort of much-admired rebel leader, Raggold. 
So just as they're about to storm the Empire stronghold, Raggold is struck down. He tells Luke and this hot blonde freedom fighter Mary that he was struck down by a traitor from within. So I think it was the evil Kirk from Star Trek. Scratches on his face. So Luke and, and Mary drag Raggold's body to the throne room, put him in the throne as a sort of symbolic last act, and and arrest the big red metal-plated guy we were talking about earlier, whose name is Blackheart. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) Mary's really pretty, but she ain't really bright, and she's kind of a wimp, too, because uh, she urges Luke not to punish any of the looters or to be too hard on Blackheart and not to seek revenge on him, and and Luke goes along with it because he thinks she's dreamy. And so after a few days of hanging out, he actually declares his love for her, and they're about to go out and get some uh, much-needed space booty on the private boat when all of a sudden an imperial fleet invades the world and Mary's struck down by a blaster bolt. So when looters just crowd in on her and start lifting her jewelry off her, Luke freaks out and sort of levitates her up to him. And with her dying breath, she urges Luke, save the world. (laughs) So Luke teams up with this little pickpocket. I thought it was a girl, but it's a little boy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I had the same thing, yeah. Kind of looks like a Rankin Bass hobbit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the traitor who be- be- betrayed Raggold. So he takes him, the, the kid takes him to a rebel who uh, was sort of an imperial sellout of the Empire, but he's sort of a dead end because he's just like, he's just partying till his days are done because he knows he's going to be in trouble. So, uh,. They're leaving there, and just coincidentally, Luke tangles with Blackheart, who has just escaped from prison. And after a little scuffle, Blackheart escapes into a rocket, but Luke is sort of launched slingshot-like after him with a pair of wings. You know, sort of lightsabers the rocket up real good so it crashes. It's sort of like Superman's escape pod, actually. (laughs) So Luke decides not to seek revenge on Blackheart, and just basically walks away and leaves him. And the little thief kid, whose name is Scamp, the names in this are just terrible, takes up, takes him to visit a a space ET, well, I guess that's kind of redundant, but a kind of, a kind of like, looks like ET on a bender in a wheelchair, who, uh... ET's granddad. Yeah. Grandpappy ET. (laughs) Who makes Luke an offer that he can't refuse if he passes his little chopsticks versus Star Trek earwig creatures test uh, he can pilot him off the planet and he'll give Luke a videotape of Raggold's death so you know Luke passes this little his little test no problem and when he finally gets the tape to look at it he finds out that Raggold actually offed himself because he had betrayed the rebels earlier and hence the traitor within. So he offed himself to escape people finding out that he was a traitor and to also, you know, inspire the the rebels. So for some reason, Luke vows to return to this planet of idiots and thieves one day to continue Mary and Raggold's work, whatever that was. Yeah, he's he's all into like I 
I'm going to save this planet. Everybody on this planet's a jerk. They're all thieves. They're like rob the dead. They're all just like selling out. To, what is his? And, and the people who are good people there were so stupid. They were just like, I know that he's looting, but it's just not nice to be mad at people. <sighs> I, I'll, I'll address that when I get to my notes. But I have a theory, though, that Luke actually did, even though we never saw it happen, I think he did return to this planet, but he returned there with a Death Star, and he just bloated the hell out of it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, do you want, me to, you want me to go through my notes on this one? Sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you that uh, I like Brett Blevins. I really do. It's just, uh, it's pretty much just this cover, although even the interiors on this, they're not terrible. They're just, they're they're not what I would put forth if I was going to show somebody, you know, how great I thought Brett Blevins was. Although there are some nice moments in the art. Yeah, but, I, uh, that's how he draws Luke. Yeah, Luke actually looks like Mark Hamill for a change in this. I noticed that in, in quite a few panels. It's very fantastical. It's very like almost so it would it like almost Elf Quest or something. Yeah, lends itself more to a Sword and Laura Conan story or something. Not in a bad way, right? You know, it, it harkens back to um, Al Williamson in a way, especially as aliens are very Al Williamson like. I think, except for ET. But, you know, if you look at the body of his other work at, at Marvel, you can see all of those other influences in this. So I don't know what that says about him as an artist that rather than drawing Star Wars, he was really, I get the feel, drawing stuff that was more in his comfort zone. But, you know, he did things like like the adaptations for um, the, uh, Dark Crystal and Crawl. And although he did do Last Starfighter, so I don't know. There's your there's your science fiction one right there. He did a lot of Doctor Strange, if I remember, and then eventually he would go on to do uh, Sleepwalker, which I wonder if maybe that's part of what you were thinking of with uh, with the monster guy on the cover. That the, there's a little bit of Sleepwalker in that face, I think, possibly. I don't I don't know, but uh, yeah, I, like I say, I like the guy. It's just. I think the combination of this very lackluster story and Anne Nascenti, in my experience as a writer, you know, I haven't read a whole lot of her stuff, but every time I read something of hers, it's the worst kind of, you know, I, I, I hate to be so blunt, but it's, it's basically, it's like liberal tripe, you know, it's, it's all this touchy feely, can't we all just get along kind of crap that, Again, well, you know, like like that story that we ragged on a while ago with Lando crying at the end of it. It's like this doesn't have its place in Star Wars. The the the, the names on the cover wars. Stop trying to preach this tree hugger crap at me when it's supposed to be a book about people blowing each other the hell up. You know, the, the thing about the tree hugger stuff in it is it doesn't really work out in this. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know the tree the the her tree huggerness the the care. So it's not really a, a treatise force tree huggerness it's just sort of like this is what you get when you know i mean one second she's telling him you know hey these people are poor and you know let's not you know they're looting and stuff but you know they'll stop once the government gets in place and and all that and then you know 10 minutes later she's struck down by a laser bolt and she's being looted you know there's people pulling her jewelry off her you know her 
you know, all the everybody just crowds around her during this attack and is stealing stuff from her body. So, right. I don't know if the the general theme of that susses out to be tree huggery at the end. It almost is a refutation of it. I just found her writing very like I don't want to say infantile, but just like more more kitty like the names you know scamp and blackheart right. yeah and raggard you know i mean not that we don't get goofy names in star wars all the time and not that black art isn't something that lucas himself would have come up with for a bad guy's name but it's just it's just kind of too cloying in this one especially and once again i like the brett, brett blevins art but it is very elf questy and when you start adding the, the elements of the my my main problem with this is the writing mm-hmm. over thing yeah. else yeah you know, the it's just it's a spit it's a spinning the wheel story and uh the 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 way they resolve it in the like in the last page is just very just sort of like oh, oh here it is here's your resolution and it's done and yeah i was not too hot. It's it's. It reminds me of one of those those fill-in stories that they pulled out that were like, okay, Definitely. this one doesn't take place. You know, it, it it could take place anywhere in the timeline. It's just you know, as long as it's after Jedi. Although the the um, the, when you the, the the first page of it when you have Luke fighting in you know in like the courtyard of of the palace and stuff. It's very, it reminds me very much of the um, prequel trilogy. The way that he's sort of running with his lightsaber and he's got his hand out ahead of him, almost like he's doing a little force push ahead of him. So, but... You know what's funny is I don't have a whole lot of notes on this one, but over half of my notes are just on the first page. Page one, I have five notes just on the first page. I've got a... This is the first inklings that we get that the Empire hasn't just simply collapsed with the death of the Emperor and Darth Vader. Um, yeah. I thought that's interesting. And that actually does play out a little bit. Uh, you know, In a little while, we're going to see more of that. Um, ten sons? Really? Yeah. Is that is that even possible? I, and, I That's and, goofy. And meanwhile, a good amount of the people seem to be fair-haired and fair-skinned, too. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, seem, it doesn't seem to be a desert planet at all. It seems to be a fairly temperate, nice, decent place. Although you can't really tell because you're in a city. But yeah, right. it doesn't have it doesn't have the feeling of a hot planet. You know, people aren't dressing in like like tattooing. You know, and even though tattooing, that's what it looks like on tattooing. That's sort of look what it looks like when it's hot because that's how you have to dress. So right. Yeah, I think they just wanted to do the Ten Sun thing and so they could use the name Sole. <laughs> Get it? Because it's got soul in it, which means sun. Just immediately to the uh, left of Luke's butt cheeks there on page one, that looks like a gun-wielding Frankenstein's monster. I thought that was actually pretty cool. It does. Um, I love the name for this issue. I'll see you in the sh- in the throne room. Personally, I don't like anybody to see me in the throne room. I mean, I'm not a prude or anything, but, you know, there's some things you just, you know, that you, you just want privacy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And nice. uh, the whole f- remark here about, uh, what what was this dude's name? 
Ragold. He says, uh, it took an old dog like me 50 years of revolution. I guess if he's talking about a local insurgency, then it works. If he's talking about the empire, totally doesn't work. Right. He's so, been a, Yeah, so he was a rebel before the empire. Right. So I, I guess if you look at it that way, like these guys have been fighting a battle long before this planet became a part of the empire then I guess it works that way. But my initial, you know, my initial uh, anal retentiveness kicked in to go, up. Oh, this story doesn't work anymore. But no, I, I, it, it depends on what angle you're looking at it from, I guess. Back, um, back in those days, the Clone Wars was pretty much acknowledged to be a lot longer ago. Longer ago, yeah. Ended up being. So, you know, they, they probably thought they could get away with 50 years. I will give this issue one big uh, kudos, and that is that the uh, the pages are numbered, and you know how sick I've been of uh, of that not being the case. I thought that was actually pretty cool, and I was nervous getting to this issue. I knew this issue was coming up eventually as we were getting closer and closer into this era. I remembered really not liking this one as a kid reading it. I don't think I've read it again since I read it initially when it was brand new, but there was one sequence I always remembered and I wondered how it had held up over the years. And, uh, it, ha it actually holds up pretty good. It was the one part of the issue. I actually do like it. It was like the one redeeming quality of this issue is the scene where Mary dies and Luke uses the force to like shove everybody away from her body and then he actually levitates her up to where he is a couple of stories above the ground and holds her as she dies. I love that last panel on page nine where Luke is, uh, he's kind of doing the, uh, you know, crisis number seven cover thing, you know, where he's holding her dead body and crying like Superman. And he says, I want her alive. I want her to heal. What good is the force now? It's not good enough. And then in little teeny tiny letters it says, I wish I were a god. And I'm just thinking, man, those are some serious shades of Anakin Skywalker right yeah. there. I like that. I like that a lot. It's, a, it's such a shame that such a great scene happens in such a shitty issue. Because that, I like that moment. The rest of the story, I, you know, I'm just going to tell it like it is. I think it sucks outright. But that moment is really good. Uh, Scamp's a boy? Alright, dude, if you say so. I'm not seeing that at all in this. And you, you're right. It does totally look like one of those uh, Rankin-Bass hobbits. Completely. I mean, come on. Look at look at the, uh, what was this? Uh, fifth panel, page 10. That's a boy with the little right. the long eyelashes and little sweet cheeks. And Come on, really? I'm not buying that at all. That's that's a boy that the the mama just really wanted a girl. You know what I mean? Put him in a skirt, yeah. did his hair up, exactly. Gave him false eyelashes, put <laughs> cotton balls in his cheeks. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, jumping way ahead here, page. I'm not even going to talk about there being a rocket in Star Wars or bat wing gliders, and so I'm just going to skip right past that. Uh, page 17, there's a nice moment here. I like the art where Luke is drawn kind of creepy. He's got blackened out eyes and everything. And he's thinking about Mary. 
So kind of like the old pictures of you know, like the like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. With Luke here, you've got Mary on one shoulder and Darth Vader on the other shoulder. And he's thinking about Vader and he says, I'll never forget his words. The dark side is very powerful, Luke Skywalker. Um, pretty sure Vader never, ever said that, dude. But, you know. Never heard that, yeah. Yeah, that must be one of those. He said that scenes. on the elevator on the way up to the Emperor's <laughs> throne. And... Uh, you gotta love E.T. in a wheelchair. Ouch. Yeah, I remember reading this as a kid and just going, okay, that's a bridge too far. But you know what? Again, here here with our prequel connections, we do get E.T.'s in Star Wars in the prequel trilogy. You are right. So there you go. I guess it does work after all. Now, remember how much bitching we did about uh, Sulu taking down a dude with chopsticks in uh, that one Star Trek issue? At least chopsticks belong in Star Trek. Chopsticks, I'm sorry, have no place in Star Wars, in my opinion. Maybe you you can say whatever you want. Call me racist, whatever. I'm just saying... I don't want chopsticks in my damn Star Wars. This part was silly, and somebody's been watching a little bit too much Flash Gordon with this whole scene with the scorpion. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, or Ratha Khan. Yeah, Ratha Khan. Uh, let's see. Last page, I thought it was very, very convenient. The very last panel of the book, Luke just happens to have something other than an X-Wing fighter to fly around in when he needs to have something other than an X-Wing fighter to fly around in. Any other time, he's flying around in an X-Wing fighter. But because he's got to take E.T. with him at the end of this story, just happens to have something different. (sighs) I, you know, I think this is a god-awful issue. It feels like, and I couldn't find any confirmation of this, but again, it feels like not only something that they pulled out of the drawer, but it feels like a recycle, you know, akin to that god-awful John Carter story that we read a while back, remember? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It really does. It feels like this was supposed to be an issue of, like, Dungeons and Dragons or Elf Quest or something that got salvaged and 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 retooled and reworked a little bit and now it's an issue of Star Wars. Again, I I couldn't find any confirmation of that, but it sure as hell doesn't feel like a Star Wars story to me. Not to mention the fact it doesn't fit. Uh, granted, it is a filler issue, but it doesn't fit with where we left Luke off because the next time we see Luke, it's going to pick up from exactly where we left Luke the last time we saw him. This annoys right. me no no end. It really does when they do stuff like this. Because if you're going to do that, then you need to have a little header on what is already a very, 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 very wordy opening page saying six months ago or something, yes. you know? Which it's, they've done before. Yeah, and in this, you get nothing. It just feels like, okay, this is supposed to be the next chapter. It clearly isn't, because we left Luke in a certain place the last time we saw him, and the next time we see him, we're going to pick up from that spot. So ultimately, this is a completely inconsequential issue. That annoys the hell out of me. It really bugs me. Um, lastly, I made a quick little note as you were doing your synopsis. It didn't really occur to me at the time, but as you were... Uh, going through and i was flipping pages with you you know the empire doesn't so much invade this planet as they just kind of strife it on the way by yeah they just sort of fly (laughs) over it they don't send any stormtroopers down or anything yeah 
They buzz it, they shoot Mary dead, and they keep on going. So I, wouldn't wa- they- I wouldn't want to land there either, <laughs> uh, you know, from what I read in this comic. <laughs> I think there's actually more interesting things to look at and talk about in the ads for this issue. But did you have any <laughs> did you have any other points on this one before we get to all that? Oh no, I don't. No. <laughs> Inside front cover an ad for Mario Brothers. And dude, I could just hear this commercial playing in my head as I was reading this. This is that classic one that's uh something coming up the plumbing portal reaches in a bind. Giant turtles out the get and creepy crabs are right behind. Fireflies, cheaper giants, they're all coming out the fight. Mario, where are you? It's Atari Mario Brothers with Mario from Donkey Kong, his brother Luigi, and lots of crazy creatures. And it's twice the fun when two play at once, because you need all the help you can get. Mario, where are you? Mario Brothers, new from Atari. I always think killer crabs. It's actually giant crabs. <laughs> I like killer crabs better. Killer yes. crabs are right behind. I always got a kick out of that commercial. I found Which I think is, YouTube, a t- so. is a is a take on like the car fifty four. Where are you? Yes, you know theme? what? You're right. I hadn't even put that. To- you were absolutely right. There's a holdup in the Bronx. Brooklyn's broken out in fights. There's a traffic jam in Harlem that's backed up to Jackson Heights. There's a scout troop short a child cruise just to an Idle Wild. Car fifty four. Where are you? It is off. I think it is off of that. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, and then the only other one I thought was it was interesting is uh, the the stuntman T-shirt. Yes, yes. What the hell page? Yes. Does it not look like that guy's head is on backwards? <laughs> yes, he looks like a mannequin that they just turned the head around on. <laughs> that is some mighty amateurish art for that uh, for that ad right there. He looks like somebody like tried to like somebody like added a few chromosomes to Superman or something. <laughs> What's funny is you've got you've got the stuntman with his head on backwards. Then you've got a guy that I don't know if this guy's supposed to be, look like he's on fire while he's running, but he actually looks like he's doing the Cartman like ah my ass type of thing like the yes. fire's coming out of his ass. I mean, you've got this guy that looks like he's. I don't know, what is he doing? It's like he's, he's body surfing down the bowling lane or something. No, he's falling off a building. He's It's like a towering inferno shot. He's, he's falling from a skyscraper. I know uh, that's what fir- it's supposed to look like, but doesn't it look like he's just running up and then just sliding all like... He looks like he's doing a reverse Spider-Man, basically, down, crawling down the side of a like plank, like, like the most boring... Um, <laughs> oh, what do they call those things? No, those climbing walls that they have for kids. He's, oh, yeah. He's like doing a Spider-Man down the most boring sp- cl- climbing <laughs> wall of all times. But I love it. I thought at first it was going to be like, go to stuntman school. And I was like, ooh, how irresponsible is that? And it's like, no, just have the t-shirt for <laughs> someone who's a stunt. Yeah, there's, also a pa- there's also an ad for give your love a diamond ring. And it's just like, hey, baby. I got you this diamond ring out of the Star Wars comic. <laughs> oh, I love you. I uh, know it. <laughs> Who the hell do they think their audience is? No, dude, look at look at uh, now. I'm looking at it. It's like number one hundred, the trio diamond. 
$1,320. Military diamond sales. You're going to buy a $1,300 ring out of Star Wars 89? (laughs) (laughs) Who is going to do that? Maybe they were like, all we have to do is sell five rings. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I always wonder, like, sometimes what some of the people who advertise in comics were thinking. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> and even if you are reading Star Wars comics, do you really have a girlfriend serious enough that you're going to buy a ring for? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I thought the letters column had a couple interesting things. We got uh, this one guy here, Carl Rohner. Wanted to see more Boba Fett, and he wanted to see uh, Boba Fett and Fen Shaisa get together. And uh, it's a shame that's yeah, it would have been really cool. I would have loved to have seen that. Unfortunately, I'm we we haven't seen the last of Fen Shaisa, and they do promise that here in the letters page that we'll be seeing him again soon. That they actually hold true to that. Boba Fett. Um, I'm pretty sure we don't see him again in this series, which which is a shame. Yeah, it would have been really cool to see those two meet up, especially if they fought. That would be very cool. Now, Boba Fett in one of the Dark Horse series does reference Fen Shisa, which I always thought was very cool. It was just you know just an offhand mention of him, but I always thought that was really neat. Um, and then what also, about, what's that? What about the guy who's like who said, when I first saw the cover of number 82, I thought Luke was going to die. That guy's dumb. I'm <laughs> sorry. Todd, I, I hope he was like seven years old or something like that. You know? <laughs> I thought you guys were going to kill off Luke Skywalker. Well, my favorite one is the second letter. You got this guy, Brian Canard, I guess is what his name would be. He wants Jawas of Doom to be episode seven. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, we'll get right on that. You're a tasteful guy there, dude. <laughs> Mr. Kennard. Uh, but it does, uh, the, the conclusion of that first letter uh, says something. Uh, oh, he says, and I'd like to see the whole gang visit Chewbacca's home planet of Kashyyyk. And that's going to happen. That that will actually be uh, covered That'll in be our very next interesting. episode. Yeah. Very interesting. Be, and uh, it should have some great chewy lines in it. And, <laughs> and other yeah, it should have some other Wookiee lines too, which is yeah, 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 that don't happen. I don't know if have there ever there haven't been any other Wookiees, have there, in this up to this point. Just Chewy. Um, I can't remember one. I think you're right. You know, I think you're I right. I think I am right. I'm pretty sure you're right. Now, somebody will write in and go, no, you dumbasses are forgetting that one story where blah, blah, blah. But off the top of my head, I think you are right. I can't think of another one with a with another Wookiee. Because he certainly hasn't gotten any Wookiee, Nookie, that I can recall no. in this whole thing. So it, it wasn't a girl Wookiee. No, but he got some human Wookiee back at way back in the like in number seven or something like that, didn't he? he was, <laughs> yeah, he was Chewbacca he was, the Pimp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that all we got on this awesome issue of uh, Star Wars 89 here? Yes, I think that's about all it deserves. <laughs> so we're ready for uh, for the next chapter? Number 90. All right. And this one's all me. So we're looking at uh, Star Wars number 90. This is the December 1984 issue. Cover price still just 60 cents. Art by Bob McCloud and Tom Palmer. And uh, 
they're providing breakdowns and finishes, respectively. They also provide the cover for this issue, which uh, I gotta admit, I have mixed feelings about this. It's kind of uh, it's kind of an awkward cover. I think the thing is, is it's actually a really good cover. I think the coloring doesn't do it justice. Now I don't know who colored the cover. I'm assuming that it's the same person that covered, uh, excuse me, colored the interior. But I love the art. It's just all right. Here, here's a picture for you. And uh, this was a the story I was thinking of a while ago. I forget what Princess Leia story it was that we eventually covered. But this was the issue I was thinking about at the time when I said something about, you know, Leia's gonna have a decision to make between warrior and princess, and I was totally wrong. This was the issue. But anyway, on the cover, you've got Princess Leia doing a Peter Parker where half of her is Princess Leia, the, you know, the the royalty, the senator type of princess, and then the other half of her, she's holding a blaster and she's wearing her kind of superhero-y looking outfit that she was wearing a while back in that, that great story that we covered with uh, with Bob McCloud. In the background, looming over her is uh, Darth Vader with his hands, like, reaching out. That's actually, uh, looks a lot like one of the very earliest covers with Vader. Wasn't he doing mm-hmm. something similar to that? Doing the like, Yeah. This issue, like, five or six or something. On the side of Princess Leia, where she's wearing her her gowns and everything, you've got Mon Mothma and Admiral Akbar. And on the side of her, that's the warrior. You've got, of course, you know Luke Skywalker and Han Solo. Like I say, it's a great piece of art. I'd love to see this in black and white because I think it's the coloring that ruins it. Because Vader is too pale; he's he's all blues, so it looks kind of odd. And then behind him, it's solid pink, which is very strange. Leia's gown is baby shit green. It's horrid looking. And then Mon Mothma is wearing all red. We I don't think we've ever seen her in anything that wasn't all white. Admiral Akbar is wearing yellow, yellow and, and purple. purple. Luke's two outfit, colors that go together great, I might add. <laughs> yeah, if you've Especially just with up, lobster yeah. skin. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> Oh, and don't don't forget though. You know, I mean, it's 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 like a purple it's like a purple jumpsuit with a yellow bib, but matching yellow oh, loafers. Shoes. With yeah, it. yeah, I do like the yellow shoes though. Yeah, they look sharp on him. Luke, Luke and uh, and Han are not bad, I guess. Han's a little weird in in orange and it's orange shirt. Yeah. yeah, Luke Luke's actually looks out. You know what? He actually. Luke looks like a lightsaber wielding uh, Dominic Fortune in that outfit right there. But uh, yeah, I see that. But yeah, I mean, it, it, like I say, I, I I don't find any fault with the art. It's it's totally the coloring on that that it kind of ruins an otherwise fantastic cover. I just realized that Luke is wielding a red lightsaber up in the uh, the Marvel box up there at the top above the price too. That's kind of weird. So anyway, the rest of the credits on this one, you got Joe Duffy, uh, script and plot, Rick Parker, lettering, Bob Sharon, coloring, and Nascenti back to uh, being editor. And Jay Shooter is the chief. The story on this one is entitled The Choice. And uh, you're going to have to forgive me, folks. I'm giving this issue real short shrift. I think you'll figure out why in pretty <laughs> rapid succession. <laughs> Scott is not pro-choice. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time around. 
So our story opens to C-3PO and R2-D2 welcoming Princess Leia, Mon Mothma, and other rebel persons back to the land of the Ewoks, the forest moon of Endor. Now, I know what you're thinking, gentle listener. You're thinking, but, 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 but they were with Leia and Mon Mothma on that mission back in 88. I, I know. I know. Don't worry. I got you covered because I'm going to bitch about this momentarily. So just, just hold on. So Leia's back, and she's all distracted, and she really needs to talk to Luke Skywalker, who off and on throughout this entire issue, they kind of seem to me like they remember, and then they forget, and then they remember again, and then they forget again. The fact that they're kind of brother and sister, it's creepy and off-putting, unless, you know, you're from Alabama, in which case I'm sorry for, you know, dissing your culture. I know that's just... I was just going to say, uh, in, in other, uh, yeah, if you're from there, it's then it's porn. <laughs> then it's a love story. <laughs> Luke, fresh off his mission in issue number 87. And, you know, it's, it's like that whole thing in 89 just never even happened. Arrives... Uh, uh, well, you wish. <laughs> He shows up with Rick, Danny, and Cheeto the Greedo Bandito in tow. <laughs> and uh, Kiro, who's actually in this really cool looking, it's like a water version of a carbonite block. That I thought was neat. That, that was kind of cool. It's all floaty and everything. That was really neat. Um, Luke and Leia have what I'm pretty sure is the only conversation that we're ever going to get about being brother and sister about being Vader's kids and all that sort of thing. You know, time will tell. I know my memory is very spotty, but I thought that this was taboo territory according to, uh, you know, George film. And I was really, really surprised to read it in this issue. Um, it kind of just brings up these subjects really just to damp them back down again real tight. You know, if you're kind of reading between the lines, which is what I am. I, as I say, I'm almost positive that this is the only time any of this stuff's going to come up. And it was kind of brought up just for everybody to say, eh, we're not going to say anything to anybody about it. And I don't think they ever do. Anyway, the idea of a new Jedi Order is even brought up, which I thought was really cool, with Kiro named as a really good potential first student for Luke for a new Jedi Academy or Jedi Order. But for some weird reason that I didn't really understand, Luke totally just shoots down that idea and it really pisses Kiro off. Well, he sort of shoots it down and Leia's just, and he and Leia are just like, well, of course we had to shoot down that idea, but they don't explain why, of course, <laughs> they had to shoot down that idea. They're just like, well, you know, I mean, he'll he'll calm down and he'll figure out why we're, why, you know, we can't possibly do that. But it's like, the only reason I think they couldn't possibly do it is maybe George Lucas didn't want him to do it. Right. That's the only reason I can think <laughs> <Right>. of. <laughs> um, this was my favorite part of this story right here. Akbar and Mothma hold the first ever assemblage of dignitaries from all the worlds throughout <laughs> the galaxy. And just to let everybody know in this new order, you know, what level of sophistication and enlightenment and everything they can expect from their bright, shiny new government, they hold it in the best possible venue that they could find the friggin' Ewok village. You know, mm -hmm. this to me is kind of like hosting a visit from Queen Elizabeth at the local Burger King or having a papal tour through your local Walmart. 
or you know kind of like when we had the olympics in atlanta you know there's some just some <laughs> things you don't do trying to impress anybody while it's hanging out with the hicks and the sticks that's a big one of them right there it's just completely friggin ridiculous that you're gonna invite like the king of you know whatever world to your planet and you're gonna hold this giant meeting that's about the fate of the galaxy and you're gonna hold it in a freaking treehouse. It's like, are you serious here? I'm it's it's really, really silly. Anyway, Rick and his crew, they get into a scuffle with the uh, very bored rebels without a cause. And the whole issue, you know, despite and I, I don't mean to diss the whole thing, because it does have some really nice, nice art, has some really great action sequences in it, but ultimately it ends by making it painfully apparent that the Star Wars trilogy really is over and that these guys need some new bad guys to fight, like right friggin' now. Thankfully, it's gonna take a couple of issues, but thankfully. We're going to be seeing those new bad guys real soon, and they're pretty awesome. And that's my uh, synopsis for Star Wars number 90. What do you got for notes on this one? Uh, well, like you, I, I like the art a lot. I thought the art was really good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about, I, I like the little conversation they had with Darth Vader, about Darth Vader. For for what it's worth, but for the most part, this was a big exercise in spinning your wheels. Yes, and and uh, you know, like like you said, they need an enemy because you know a good part of the story was like just people fighting them. You know, Rick, you know, Rick fighting with rebel soldiers because they're having because they're bored and having you know card games and stuff like that, and the the whole. Conf- central conflict of this is 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 really like a fight over a card game more than like Princess Leia's struggling with um you know her identity and it just it it yeah it comes off as a as a whole lot of nothing is a whole lot of mm-hmm. uh, of not much different at the beginning uh, at the end of the story than at the beginning you know and and just a lot of really dumb moments like. Where Cheeto the Fr- the Frito Bandito is bleeding out on the ground, and you know, and Leia's just like, ah, I don't want anybody to get injured, but you know, this is kind of working out for the best, and it's just like oh, that's stupid, <laughs> right? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't make any sense, and it kind of started getting interesting where he was like, you know, so how did you uh, figure out where you had to go to save the world there? Um, um, what's his name, Kiro? And Kiro's like, oh, I don't know, I just sort of had this intuition. And Luke immediately is like, oh, it's the Force. So Luke starts the whole conversation and is like, oh, so you're strong in the Force. And then all of a sudden Kiro's like, hey, yeah, I am, you know, maybe maybe you can help me develop that. And Luke goes, ah, nah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you know? I'm, I'm watching my hair that day. Yeah, so there, there's... There's like the potential for some, some neat stuff to happen in this, but it just doesn't happen at all that you know i mean there there was a there's an opportunity for donnie and princess leia to be making out when when leia comes when they come home and they you know donnie comes over and hugs her but no leia has to go yeah get away from me beautiful woman 
You just so, wanted to see some hot lesbian action. Be yes, I did. Yes, I did. In this story especially, because what the hell? There isn't anything else. Hell, I want to see Mon Mothma making out with Je- Admiral Akbar to Aww. liven this thing up. Yeah, I know. Desperate times call for desperate measures, my friend. <laughs> and, and yeah, it's just... Yeah, it, it, it was just generally... And like you know, they have they have the rebel soldiers acting like just total assholes. Which I guess there would be asshole rebel soldiers, and maybe they would be the ones who would end up playing cards with, you know, Rick. But you know, they're they're basically the bad guys. They're basically scumbag rebel soldiers. Yep. So, I like the part where the rebel soldiers start to fight the Ewoks. Just whip out their <laughs> their spears and uh, and arrows, and are like, uh, "You want us to take care of this?" <laughs> But yeah, two issues in a row of wheel spinning. Yeah, you're right. Yep. We need an enemy. Yeah, we need some. We need or a focus of some sort. You know, some sort of some sort of focus that's going to bring all the characters together and and give us something, some sort of goal. As I say, we we've got a couple issues to go yet, but that's going to happen. It's coming. And, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. Thankfully. Because that was my biggest impression walking away from this issue was that it is now. I, I think what it was was that, you know, we, we've been on the whole diplomatic tour thing, you know, going around to the different planets, you know, hey, you know, you, you want to come hang out on Endor and talk about a new government? Yeah, sure, we'll do that. You know, that's fine because there's been a little bit of intrigue and there's been stuff, you know, it, it's been as interesting as it can be with that. Suddenly, everybody's back home now. And what do they immediately start doing but squabbling amongst themselves? And that part of the issue, with, like you say, with, the, with these rebel guys that are just flat-out scum, that's where it really jumps right out at you that, wow, these guys need somebody to fight. Because you know what it is? This, is? this is a little kid sitting down to play with all of his action figures and realizing that he has Luke, Han, Chewie, Leia, the droids, everybody, and he doesn't have a Darth Vader figure to play with. So yeah. who are they going to fight? You know, that's what this issue is to me. And uh, yeah, there's also that really dumb sort of plot thing where you know they're they're having the the meeting of you know in the the political meeting in the in the clubhouse. And it's like, okay, so if you want to have any say in this, you have to be at this meeting, you know. And then there's sort of a commotion at the end where they're like, hey, Luke and Han and Leia weren't at the meeting, so I guess they're all out of the process and all that. It's like, didn't years, you know, decades earlier, didn't they have that hologram technology where people could do, (laughs) like we're doing right now? Teleconference, yeah. Yeah, teleconference. Couldn't they teleconference a little bit? You know, from especially since there's so many planets and, it, you know, it's a whole it's a whole galaxy worth of people. So it's like Noah's Ark. How many of them are you gonna are you gonna fit two of every creature from the Star Wars universe in this little Ewok playhouse? You know, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense of why they're you know why it's like why all of a sudden there's like this low tech aspect of it to where. <laughs> You know, we can't afford cell phones right now. And, you know, I mean, couldn't they just get the 1D hologram, you know? (laughs) They don't have to have the whole, you know, Palpatine 
hologram with the walking with the walking feet that paces you and oh, all. God. But uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was it was uh, it's going somewhere, but it's going somewhere launched from a really dumb premise, you know, a premise <laughs> that doesn't make any sense in the in that universe. So yeah, bring on some bad guy, somebody bad. I had just a couple, you know. I'm really light on notes for this. I had just a couple of things, mostly observations, but uh, right off the bat, the big one that drove me nuts in this issue was the opening page is gorgeous. You know, it's it's R2 and 3PO rendered possibly the best they've ever been drawn in this series so far. They look fantastic. Well, you know, R2, there's not much of R2... But 3PO, they really captured his reflectiveness. You yes, know, yeah. This of him. Yeah. And it's a low angle shot, you know, of them up into the trees at Endor. And it's not anything like spectacular, but boy, it does. It, do, it, it perfectly captures Anthony Daniels' body language and everything. And yeah. It's a great picture. And the dialogue is is him getting all excited and saying to R2, you know, hey, did you hear that? Hey, you know, the Princess Leia, yeah, Princess Leia's back. And I'm thinking, oh, man, where the hell was she? You know, and so you turn the page and she comes walking out of the ship and she's leading the, the way as they disembark. And she's wearing, again, that, that puke green dress and it's all ripped up. She looks like... Uh, you know, she looks like, oh, what storybook character? I guess it would be Cinderella, you know, wearing, like, the rags, you know? Like, it yes. used to be a gown, but now it's just rags hanging off her. That's how she looks. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, wait, she's coming back from the mission with with uh, Lumia and all that. And then once I, I started making that connection, I was like, wait a minute, what? Well, I thought 3PO and R2 were in that story. So I went and I dug out the issue, and sure enough, they're in there. So I'm writing feverishly, writing all these notes about how Marvel screwed up. I thought, and I thought you were gonna say I'm writing. So I'm writing a letter to Marvel and. Telling them. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm making my notes for the issue. And I'm writing all these, you know, things about oh man, they really screwed up, and then. So I, I write all this stuff, and then a little bit further down the page, fourth panel down the page on page two, um. She says, that's all right, 3PO. You and Archu arrived here uh, a short while ahead of Leia. Oh, it's Mon Mothma that's speaking. She says, that's all right, 3PO. You and Archu only arrived here a short while ahead of Leia and me. We were on the same mission after all. Okay, I, now I'm even more confused than I was before. Why the hell would the droids go on ahead? I don't get that at all. I mean, I'm pretty sure they only had one ship. I mean... I don't know that there's any supporting dialogue or, or anything for that. But again, it, it really does beg the question. I mean, Luke's off on a different mission. Um, you know, Han and, and Chewie and Lando are off on a different... I mean, what reason would there be to have to send R2 and 3PO ahead of Leia to get to Endor other than, I, I don't know, to introduce this scene or something? And, Maybe they put him on an earlier flight just so they didn't have to listen to him bickering all I, the way back. I, that's as good a no prize as any, I guess. But it, you know what I mean? It, what it really felt like to me was like somebody realized that while 
putting the yeah and and, together, and added like, that line are, in there yeah exactly that's really what it feels like to me like you yeah. realize that they screwed up so this is mon mothma covering for the blunder in the dialogue that's how it feels to me but uh really awkward very very strange um, um page three since we're right in that area that's the most stunted sawed off x-wing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> That's some weird little little short X-wing. It's weird. Yeah, it does. It does look odd, doesn't it? It might be drawn from the toy because the toy was a little bit weirdly. Pers- yeah, had a weird perspective. You know, in relation to how it really looked in the movies. But yeah, you're right. Um, where is it? Page. Oh, I love this. Page five. I love the four fourth panel. Yeah, fourth panel. The uh, the rebel guys are doing very much like that scene in Empire where Boba Fett's leading the way as the uh, the Cloud City guards are wheeling uh, the you know Han's carbonite block through the you know through the corridors. These guys are are bringing down like the watery version of the carbonite block that has Kiro in it. <laughs> that fourth panel, you've got the Ewoks. Standing on tippy toes to look in, and all I'm thinking is they're thinking to themselves, "You brought seafood." <laughs> yeah, put that over the fire. We'll boil up some soup. <laughs> Throw Akbar in there, and we've got jambalaya. <laughs> I can't believe on page six. Why in the hell? <laughs> Did they reference that shit story about the universe going to be destroyed? I was shocked <laughs> that that gets referenced and talked about seriously. Like Luke brings it up, he's explaining the whole thing to Leia, and even his explanation sounds completely ridiculous. It's one of those moments where somebody, you know, Leia or somebody, should have just called him out, going, "Come on, really? It's come on seriously?" Because that sounds completely ridiculous. Oh, he saved the universe, did he? Oh, wow. Blow up the whole universe. That's a good plan. <laughs> I just think that story was best left forgotten. Now, I noticed uh, something really weird here is uh, as soon as it goes into the nighttime scene with Luke and Leia up in the, you know, the, the high places of the Ewok village talking... He's back in pretty much his Return of the Jedi outfit, except that his boots are white. But now he's got one black glove on again. So I flip back to the beginning of the story, and nope, no gloves. So whenever he puts on his Return of the Jedi outfit, he has to wear just one black glove? It's it's style. I guess. I mean, I know the whole Michael Jackson thing was going on at the time, but I was trying to... I was trying to resist going there, but I can't make heads or tails of that. That's that's strange. Maybe he just lost the other glove. I don't know. Uh, page... Oh, page 8, panel 1. I love that shot of Luke and Leia talking, and you've got like that ghostly image of Vader above them. I thought that was really cool. Going, Luke, my ashes are still in the air. <laughs> <laughs> page page 12 uh see where i can get here oh i see what it is i was injecting dialogue that isn't there into the into that first paragraph he says 
We of the Alliance cannot tell you how gratified we are that representatives of so many worlds have come here, and I put in the words, to the Ewok village. We of the Alliance cannot tell you how gratified we are that the representatives of so many worlds have come here to the first conference of free peoples at the Ewok village. <laughs> It's, oh my God, that is, I mean, what happened to their capital ships? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Painful. B- big old, you know, staterooms in them and stuff to, to talk and to review things with holograms. Nope, positive... They don't even have a PowerPoint re- presentation. <laughs> <I know. laughs> On a positive note, though, they, they do have a nice representation of different aliens, you know, from around the Star Wars galaxy, you know, many of which are actually from the movies. I thought that was and, cool. And from the comics, you got the hooks in there. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Hook. Yeah. It, it's, it, I mean, yeah. I, it's not that I don't think that they were trying. It's just that, uh, that was just, that's just silly. That's just plain goofiness. Um, no letter column in this issue. The only other thing I've got on this, so feel free to jump in anywhere if you've got anything else on this one. The only other thing I had was, um, I noticed on the bullpen bulletins page that, uh, there's a mention here of, um, Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 18. And I wanted to make note of this just in the fact that, uh, on a very recent episode of, uh, Andy and Michael show, Hey Kids Comics, they covered this. They did a synopsis and they talked a lot about this story in their recent um, Spider-Man month. Be sure to go back and listen to that. If, you, if you're not listening to Hey Kids Comics, as I keep saying, a damn good show. You really need to listen to it. But their Spider-Man month was fantastic. I really, really dug it, especially their uh, their coverage of that story and uh, my favorite Spider-Man story, uh, The Kid Who Collected Spider-Man. So uh, if you haven't heard it, go check it out. Really, really, really good listening. And that's that's all I got. You know, I, I, I'm trying so hard to remain positive about these, but it's just, it was tough for both of these issues of Star Wars. Unfortunately, it's got to be said, they're just not very good. I'm sorry. The art's fantastic in 90, though. It really is. I mean, Yes, it is. Yeah. Despite not feeling it anymore, he didn't slack. I mean, you know, it's still a solid issue art-wise. You know, the, the lightsaber-y Jedi stuff with Luke in that is really good. I didn't touch on any of that in my synopsis. I kind of breezed over it, but there is some nice little action stuff with Luke Skywalker. It's just... He does some more floating. Yeah. Overall, just not that that keen on the story, I'm afraid. My, my, um, My only other notes are, boy, you know, this is always a mainstay of Marvel Comics is the ads for the kiddie shows on Saturday. <laughs> but by 1984, the kiddie shows on Saturdays were pretty sad. Yep. It's like the Pink Panthers and Sons, another variation of Alvin and the Chipmunks, Kid Video, which I don't even remember had to be terrible. Mr. You know T. What? They were just talking about that on Andy's show, too, because Michael, uh, Michael Bailey wrote in to say something about Now, I don't remember Kid Video either, I, but it's funny. You know, I, I was looking at this page and totally missed that. But, yeah, they it was probably just terrible. talked. To, yeah, it sounded like it was because he sent uh, uh, Michael and Andy Leyland. He sent them Michael Bailey sent them a I think it was a YouTube link 
to I don't know the opening credits or something of Kid Video. So they they watched it for the first time and got their reaction on the show, and it was just hysterical. I mean, I haven't seen it, but just going by their reaction, it must suck big time. It's probably it's, terrible. It's, yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, well, this tea fool. The, <laughs> The other ad is Saturday's The Place, starting September 15th on CBS. Pryor's Place. Richard Pryor, one of the you know greatest comedians who've ever ever lived, known for his you know filthy, <laughs> uncensored comedy, is now a kiddie show host, which did have Muppet Babies, which was really good. But I forgot about this. It had the Saturday Supercade where they had. What the hell are you looking at? I don't. I'm looking at a completely it's... different ad. I'm looking at the centerfold ad. What are you looking at? This is uh, after page five. Go go to, oh, right, to page go five. Okay. Well, on that double page spread though, you missed the one that we were so pissed about when it came out because it was uh, it was our chance to be millionaires and it breezed right by us where they ripped us off on the snort. <laughs> yep. We yeah. invented that word and they. Yep. They took it and they made their millions and we got nothing, man. Nothing. We actually, I think we came up with Snork in our Battle in Outer Space Wars. I think it was an Archie Bless You line was, I, <laughs> which was written Snork R. Right, in the yes. Script. I think you're right. <laughs> so there you guys go. There's the origin of the Snorks. So, yeah, they had a Richard, Pry- Richard Pryor's place. But it had all these video game cartoons. It must have been terrible. Space Ace, Donkey Kong, Cubert, Cubert. What's that other one? I can't even read it. Kangaroo, Kangaroo. Oh my god, I forgot about and Pole Position, Pole Position, the cartoon. Come on, and of course the Get Along Gang and Dungeons and Dragons. But you know, speaking of of classic arcade stuff and Cubert and all that, have you seen the ad? For Wreck It Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it! I can fix it! Closing time, last game, everyone out! My name's Wreck It Ralph. I'm gonna wreck it! 30 years I've been doing this. Ah. It starts to feel hard to love your job. I can fix it! When no one else seems to like you for doing it. Sure must be nice being the good guy. Nice share, Ralph. As fellow bad guys, we've all felt what you're feeling. I'm Zangief, I'm bad guy. Ralph, you are bad guy. But this does not mean you're bad guy. Zombie! Bad guy! Hi, zombie! Hi, zombie! Zangief saying, labels not make you happy. Good. Bad. You must love you. I don't want to be the bad guy anymore. Ralph abandoned his game. Where's the wrecking guy? Welcome to Game Central Station. Trains for all game destinations now boarding. Everything changes now. Where's Ralph? Stand by, my Cubertese is a little rusty. Ralph's gone to hero's duty? Get out of this game, buddy! Ralph, you're game jumping? What's your name? Rugged Ralph. Why are your hands so freaking 
bag. I don't know. Why are you so freakishly annoying? All right, ladies, the kitten whispers and tickle fights stop now. When did video games become so violent and scary? Are you a hobo? Listen, I try to be nice. I'm to be nice. You're mimicking You're me. You're mimicking me. That is rude, <laughs> and this I'm, conversation is I'm over. Yes, that looks I, like it's a lot of fun. Yes, I cannot wait for that movie. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about or you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's a new trailer. It just got released called Wreck-It Ralph. I think this is going to be a big deal when it comes out. I've been waiting for this for quite a while. And there's a nice ad towards the back. It's the next to the last page for the Beauty and the Beast, the four-issue limited series. That's all Bill Sienkiewicz art. You had that, didn't you? Didn't you buy that oh, off the stands? I don't think I did. I, I, I'm looking at this going, why didn't I buy this off the stands? It's all been Bill Sienkiewicz. I should have I, I, I should have bought it. I, I, I would have been like Bill Sienkiewicz, but I don't think I've ever read this. Hmm. I may have. I may have forgotten, but I don't think There's I ever There's one did. of these X-Men related minis that I remember you buying off. Maybe it was the Wolverine and Kitty Pride one, but there's one of them I remember I you buying off one, the stands. I I had Vision and Scarlet Witch. I remember that I was a good one. Yeah, yeah um, one. I've got this Iceman one and I've never read it. N- none of these covers, yeah, ring like they don't. None of them look familiar to me at all. So, yeah, that's about all I got. Me too. Clouds of war gather ominously over Europe. The Great Depression grips the world, but one globe-trotting archaeologist thirst for adventure and discovery remains undaunted by his times. Stan Lee presents The Further Adventures of Indiana Jones. All right, so now we have Further Adventures of Indiana Jones, number three. The first post-John Byrne issue of March 1983. Once again, 60 cents. Denny O'Neill was the writer. Uh, uh, We got, looks like two teams basically working on the art. We got Gene Day and Richard Howell sharing pencils and, what is it, Mel Candido? That's a nope. new one on me. I don't recognize and, that name. And Denny Bolandi. Bolanandi. See, Bol- I always want to say Bolandi too, but it's, uh, it's Bolanati. Yeah. Uh, did the inks, and uh, Bob Sharon did the colors. And you've got uh, Louise Jones, editor. Jim Shooter, editor. Oh, yeah, you got Janice Chang, letters. And I believe the uh, cover is, is Gene Day. You know, I think it's Carrie Gamble. Well, no, it, let me see. Mine is cut funny because at the bottom it says Howell. And, and then you don't see. Yeah, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is the same team as inside. It's tough to and tell, it, though. It's kind of a crummy cover, really. It just It's, it's just a G.I. Like, Joe cover. Yeah, it is a G.I. Joe cover. It's Indy driving away in a Jeep 
dragging a cannon with with some soldiers shooting at him and scattering in front of him. But it's it's just very kind of simple and blocky and eh, man, the, yeah. So uh, the story inside is called the Devil's Cradle. And uh, so taking up immediately after the last issue with Indy parachuting from Edith Dunn's plane into a bona fide redneck necktie party. So Indy considers sort of letting it go and just watching it from an anthropological point of view for some reason, but instead decides to rescue the young man who is about to get his neck stretched. As they are uh, pursued uh, by the rednecks, they come across an overturned army truck that the kid says... He and his grandfather flipped over because the army was trying to stop them from making an elixir of immortality. Elixir? He didn't even know her that well. <laughs> way oh! Before he could even ask what that elixir is, Indy and the boy run across Colonel Bulldog Brannigan and his troops, who immediately opened fire. So with the, with the troops and the hicks in hot pursuit, the boy leads him to a rope bridge, and of course, we know what happens with Indiana Jones in a, in a rope bridge. The hicks show up and uh, chop one end off, and Jones has to use his Temple of Doom skills to climb up the other side with the kid. So after that escape, uh, the, the grandson leads Indy to a cave at the bottom of a mountain where the boy's grandfather, Prospero, is brewing up some of his magic elixir from the spring inside the mountain that's called The Devil's Cradle. So uh, Prospero claims to be like four centuries old, and the boy's a young, strapping 200 years old. He explains that he has a plan of loosing a boulder uh, that's on top of the mountain so it'll roll down the hill and, and crush the troops' camp. Now, Indiana Jones, who is just about to watch a lynching happen, decides that he's, you know, he can't let these troops die. When Jones tries to stop him, Prospero uses his elixir-fed strength to basically beat him unconscious, but not before Indy gets a mouthful of the magic water. So Jones wakes up tied to the rock on top of the mountain, and Prospero's got yeah, a bunch of, you know, a powder keg underneath it, and he's gonna just, like, blow Jones... I should have worded that differently, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to blow up the rock with Jones attached, and that way he would somehow not be responsible for Jones's death if the rock happened to roll over and crush him. But the grandson feels bad because Indiana saved his life, so he sort of scores the, the rope so Indy can break them. And after a minute, you know, Indy figures out that he doesn't have any super strength or anything from the, the magic water because he can't because he lifts one of the powder kegs and it's just really heavy. So he chucks a powder keg off the mountain and the explosion brings Bulldog Brannigan and his troops who throw Indy in the clink. He, of course, uses the, the old belt trick, which I always thought they took your belt whenever you went into jail just for this reason, or so you don't hang yourself. I, I, I guess I shouldn't use the old belt trick because that usually means you hang yourself. But he uses the old belt trick to sling him out and get the keys off the wall. He escapes in an army jeep that has a big-ass cannon attached to the back of it. So he, he he rolls up to the devil's cradle and and figures out how to use a cannon and, and shoots the rock 
First shot off the top of the mountain, so it rolls down and seals Prospero's cave up. And then the rednecks somehow show up again and decide they're gonna they're just they're gonna wipe out Indiana Jones because he ruined their perfectly good lynching. And uh, Prospero shows up and runs them off. And apparently now Prospero wants to let bygones be bygones and offers to help Jones get the hell out of Dodge. And Jones accepts. Next, Stonehenge. Now, maybe you can clear this up for me. Is this a cliffhanger ending? That's this- what I'm wondering because my biggest and what I feel is the most important note and frankly the most important question for the entire issue is where the hell is this? No, I can't figure it. it, it is it supposed to be southern accents? Because it is. if it is, they're the weirdest southern accents I've ever heard. I don't get this because it feels like at the very beginning of this story, it feels like Indy parachuted into like, you know, the the hills of West Virginia or something. But by the end of the story, it feels like it's South America. But then it says next issue Stonehenge. Where the hell is Indiana Jones? It's never, ever stated in this where he is. I got the impression at the end of last issue that they had barely lifted off from the airport before everything went down and Indy set the controls to just go have the plane crash out, you know, in, in you know a couple hundred feet of water out in the Atlantic or something. I, I really didn't get the impression that they were in the air long at all when all that went down. So I have no idea where he is at this point. I was lost by that. Could have been Scottish or Irish accents, which would make sense with Stonehenge, but it wouldn't make sense with American troops hanging out there, you know? See, I, I you know, I got to be honest, and, and, you know, full disclosure here, I have not read these post-burn issues again since I read them initially, buying them off the stands back in, what did you say this year was, 83? So I literally have not read this in almost 30 years. I Frankly, I just don't remember if this is a... I, I had the impression that this was a done-in-one because I, I didn't get the impression that Prospero was taking Indy to Stonehenge. No, he was just like saying, but, I'll lead you to the forest, basically. Right, yeah, but I, I guess maybe... Figure out how to get more elixir later on, you know. Right. Yeah. Let let me let me show you where the highway is. So you can hoof it back to town or whatever. But that that was why thought was the resolution. Now you know. You watch next issue. He takes him straight to Stonehenge. I I have no idea. I haven't read further. You know, reread further than this issue. Um. Yeah. So I I, I can't answer that question. But I definitely that was my biggest note. Is what? Where is he? <laughs> you know, I really would have liked to have, have gotten that out of this story, and I don't. I don't have any idea. And and why are those guys wanting to lynch Prospero's grandson? Never explained. Explained. They're just they're just rednecks, and they and they find some blonde haired white guy to to lynch. So that's why it makes me think it's not the South. It might be someplace where it's like. You know, you're that old wizard's son or whatever. Right, yeah, hanging me's a witch, yeah, that type of thing. I, I don't know. Because, see, Bulldog, uh, you know, Thunderbolt Ross here, he strikes me as a British soldier as opposed to, well, I mean, does he, I don't know, does it ever say whether they're American troops or not? I can't remember, I th- it, it may have he may have said army. I, I just can't remember. 
but uh again you know to me that that outfit he's got and just his whole style and demeanor reminds me more of a of a british um oh no he says he's colonel though they do they have i don't know they call it something different in the british force you know the british armed forces i don't think they use colonel do they i don't know i'm confused I didn't, uh, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of no- uh, notes on this one because, again, I, I was not, uh, I wasn't terribly <laughs> impressed with this issue. I, I liked your reference to uh, to Temple of Doom, but it's important to note, I think, that Temple of Doom hadn't happened yet when this story came out. So right. the thing with the rope bridge, it's like, you know, Indy's been through this thing before, sort of. Because, you know, Temple of Doom was a prequel, so it would have happened before this. But this is really the first time we're seeing, you know, the whole rope bridge thing. So, again, foreshadowing of something that would eventually happen in the movies. I thought that was kind of cool. Indy makes a... a, I'm sorry? It's it's an adventure story, so you're going to have a rope bridge. Right. Sometime, eventually, you know. You're going to eventually have a boat, a car... A plane, a motorcycle. <laughs> you know, a makes a little roundabout reference to uh, to the arc in this. That I thought was kind of cool. Right after the rope bridge party, says something about uh, well, they're talking about the the elixir and immortality and all that. And Indy's saying that you know he he's trying to keep more of an open mind ever since. Uh, how does he put it here? This is a few months ago. I didn't believe in the power of an ancient Jewish relic either, but then I saw it destroy a Nazi regiment. So I, I like that. He doesn't come right out and say the Ark, but that's what he's talking about, or presumably anyway. Uh huh. But you know, that's pretty much all I've got as far as uh, notes on. Well, one other question. I made this note while you were doing your synopsis when you were talking about the belt trick. I feel like I've seen that before, and I mean, like, seen it live action. And I'm trying to remember where, and I think it may have been in one of the old serials, and I think it might have been in one of the Harry Houdini serials. Oh. Because there I know that there, you know, the Houdini ones, he made several movies. And um they were all cliffhanger style movies. And I remember there was one in particular. Maybe they were all, you know, maybe they all featured him escaping from things. I can't remember, but I know there was one in particular. It was kind of like a man of action, secret agent type of type of movie with Houdini, where he was constantly being locked up in different things and constantly escaping. And it seems to me that there was one where he was tied up, kind of like how Kirk and them are tied up in um, Cat's Paw, where he had like his hands yeah. over his head. And so he uses his feet... And I want to say he does something with a belt where he like hooks a pair of keys with his belt and then drags the keys to himself or something like uh, something like that. I, I'm I'm sure I've seen that happen in some movie somewhere, I, whether it's Houdini or not. But I'm I'm pretty sure that this may have been an homage, whether intentional or not, to those old cliffhanger serials, which I thought was pretty cool. But uh, that you know that's my last specific note. It's pretty much just I, I you know. I feel like right out of the gate, Marvel's testing my resolve 
to want to revisit this story because I knew that there was a decline after Byrne left, but Jesus Christ, I mean, this is a pretty far fall right here. I remember being really disappointed in the art when this one came out, and I'm not so much disappointed in the art now. I, li- I kind of like the the art's okay, but I am disappointed in the story compared to George. George, Bur- George Byrne put a m- much more coherent Ooh. Indian or George Byrne. <laughs> George Burns, John Byrne, John Byrne put forth a much more coherent Indiana Jones story than the. This is kind of incoherent, you know. It's got the adventure. You are incoherent at the moment. Hey, this is like Oh God, Book Three. That George oh, Burns, he was a oh, great Indy, you devil. That's what it should have been called. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I mean, John Byrne sort of captured the flavor of it, and this, they're trying to get the adventure aspect of it, and they have the things happening, you know, one thing after another, but it doesn't have a lot of coherence to it, and it doesn't have any kind of, like, sense of, like, um, closure or something, you know, making sense at (laughs) at the end of it, you know? There's always some... Not necessarily a moral, but somebody gets their comeuppance, or, or you know, we learn we learn not to screw with you know the Jewish God or or the or the um, what do you call it the um, Holy Grail? Oh yeah, f- following a formula. Yeah, 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 and and it, it doesn't sort of things happen in this one, but there isn't much of a an underlying theme or story. It's just sort of people chasing and, and blowing things up. Yeah. Well, plus the whole plot such as it is of, I've got to stop this crazy guy from dropping a rock on these other people. doesn't really, no, it, it doesn't, doesn't work at all because then when you actually see the danger in the part where Indy's up on the cliff and strapped to the thing, you're like, that's not a right. very big, Rock. Yeah, how is that exactly threatening anybody, really? An army yeah. base. It could crush a few people at the army base, or it could take out their prize jeep, but Indy takes that out anyway. So, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's not like it's this, you know, gigundous. It's like, it's like smaller than a compact car. It's not, it's just big enough to strap Indy on. It's, it ain't, you know, don't, don't worry about it, Indy. <laughs> let them blow, let, let them blow up their little rock. As a matter of fact, I would think a big barrel of dynamite under it would just basically blow the rock into a thousand little tiny pieces into gravel. And the guys down at the camp would be like, oh, it's raining gravel. This is terrible. What an inconvenience. I just, I I feel triple whammied with this because, you know, not only is it a big step down from, you know, the beautiful John Byrne art and a really well-written indie chapter with, with John Byrne and everything... You know, not only is it just not really quality Indiana Jones, in my opinion, but then to revisit this and find that this is a Denny O'Neill story. Denny O'Neill! And, wow, is it lackluster. I mean, it's just a shame, you know? Because, I mean, it, it's not like it's just some hack writer, you know? It's not like it's Anna Senti or somebody. It's, it's Denny O'Neill, and it's like, wow, dude. Oh, you You're can't just... hit it out of the park every time, you yeah, know. I know, it's... but wow, you know. <laughs> wow. Sometimes you strike out. 
Yep, and they did too. I do and, like. Oh, what's that? Go, go ahead. I was just gonna say I do like the uh, the Riddle of the Sphinx ad on the inside back cover, though. I That's think exactly about- where I was going. I was I was gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna wait till he finishes with the real comic stuff before I bring up the Riddle of the Thing. Yeah, Gary Larson thought he had had all the answers. Now, isn't that the same name as the guy who did the Far Side? <laughs> yeah, it is actually before yeah. the Far Side. And you got this little kid. He's a little looks like he's a little ginger kid, and he's a nerd, and his glasses are broken, and he's got like all these how to play video games and riddles books behind him, and he looks like the game has just whooped his ass. And what's really happening is this kid is fucking just in such a horrible state because he just spent fifty dollars on Riddle the Sphinx, and it's the <laughs> shit shittiest video game this side of E.T. the video game or Indiana or the Raiders of the Lost Ark video game. I'm sorry, Riddle. Uh, I remember you got Riddle of the Sphinx. I still have it. And uh, I remember you and I trying to figure out how to play Riddle of the Sphinx and I gave up on it after about five minutes and you tried. You were like I, you know, I'm gonna at least give this video game a try and you were trying to figure it out and I remember eventually you were just like why am I even bothering, you know, doing the... It was very much like E.T. and stuff where you're just doing the same frustrating things over and over and over again. See, in fairness to what may have been a... a, 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 may have turned out to be a really good game, I have no idea. The, The major problem for me with Riddle of the Sphinx was that it came right on the heels of having just beat Raiders of the Lost Ark after spending what felt like half my life trying to beat that piece of shit game. <laughs> I beat it, and there's no sense of accomplishment whatsoever when you complete that game. Exactly. <laughs> and as soon as I did that, my mother ran right out and got me Riddle of the Sphinx, and I think, you know, God bless her, I think she was trying, but it was really one of those, like... You know, oh, you survived being hit by a truck? Well, let me hit you with a train now. You know, it's like, really? You know, thanks, but I'm good, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so. Well, she was probably, she was thinking, oh, he spent so much time playing that video game, he must have enjoyed it, but she didn't realize the masochistic nature of just like, (laughs) it's not even, it's part masochism and part just, sheer you know fuck this game i'm gonna beat it and then i'll never have to look at it again in my life <laughs> you know more of a an angry stubbornness than than yeah. something else. Yeah. No, it was it was it was flat out this house ain't big enough for the both of us one of us has got to go and it sure as hell ain't gonna be me yep i'm very proud that i beat that game I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sickened in the pit of my stomach that there was absolutely no payoff for having done so, other too bad than bragging rights. But too bad know. you couldn't have written the great American novel in the time that it took you to beat that. <laughs> you had a Pulitzer Prize by now. You could have been the youngest Pulitzer Prize winner ever, but not you. You chose to beat the Raiders of the Lost Ark game. Yep. And at least you didn't. You didn't. And for my next trip, I'm going to beat ET. You know, it's it's like you know when 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 people pass away, you know, the common you know common folk that you know live simple lives, and people struggle for for nice things to put in their obituary. Where you know he loved playing cards, and you know, he was 
you know, he was good with uh, with his grandkids, and so you know that's probably what what mine's ultimately going to say. And it'll 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 list my survivors, and then the bottom of it will be, well, he did beat the Raiders of the Lost Ark Atari game, you know. So well, I was just going to say something. He beat the Raiders of the Lost Ark game, and some little kid is going to go raise his hand and go the Atari game, and they're like, yeah, oh, <laughs> I thought it was Infernal Machine or something like that, but, but great. <laughs> beat that one too. The hero. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's pretty much all I got on that one. Three fantastic issues this time around. Aren't you guys glad you listened all the way to the end of this? <laughs> that's assuming that there's anybody left, you know? Yeah. Well, Going strictly by cover images, I know that uh, next time around, in issue 91, we finally get uh, Chewie's home planet, and I know that I have a big old bitch with that issue because something completely ridiculous happens in that one. <laughs> Can't wait to talk about that. And then issue um, 92, I can't remember a thing about, but it, it has a fantastic cover on it by... Um, I know Bill Sienkiewicz is one of the uh, artists on this. I want to say Cynthia Martin might be the... Is this the first Cynthia Martin issue, possibly? I'm not sure, but again, we'll have... Yeah, it is. Cynthia Martin and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. So, uh, yeah, we'll have a little bit to talk about with that, that one. Be very interesting, yes. And, and I just course. got that uh, that signed by, uh, by Bill Sienkiewicz at uh, Megacon this year. So, yeah, a little bit to talk about. I just can't remember what the story was about in that one. And, of course, we'll have Indiana Jones number four, which will answer the question, was that a goddamn cliffhanger <laughs> or not? <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, something I, I really want to try to do a better job of in, of in, in the future is uh, plugging you know, upcoming shows and other projects we're working on. So uh, next week... Um, is a show that we've actually had in the can for quite a while, so I'm, I'm anxious yep. for this one to uh, to get edited and, and good I haven't going edited up on the feed. Yeah, but it's ready to go. Get edited. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic uh, episode of uh, Star Trek Monthly Monday is back. We have a special guest, and we have a special topic for that one that uh, that I I'm I'm really anxious for folks to hear and and weigh in on. I I think it, it's going to be a really good and possibly a very controversial episode. So I'm it was, really looking forward to that. Yeah, and it, and it was one of those confluences of fate where, like the two two well, we usually do two next generations and a star trek in two separate shows but or you know star trek the original series but this time the original series episode and the the next generation episode one of the next generation episodes were so closely entwined in subject and execution that our guest actually suggested putting them in the same show so we could compare the two so it's a it's kind of like a half on for it's like a half on format, half off format weird show. It's like right. two shows, two show the two Star Trek Monthly Mondays pushed together, but somewhat in the same format. So it's, it'll be interesting. Like to keep you guys on your toes. Definitely looking forward to that. Definitely, yeah. definitely looking forward. Yeah, to that, that one. That was a really fun show, and that I it, it, that show is is full of fun and uh coming up for comics monthly monday amongst all the other stuff i'm sure that we'll be bringing up and talking about for that one we are going to be covering the uh 
the first chapter of uh, James Robinson's Starman in uh, in your segment for the show. Uh, get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm Can't- looking forward to that because I meant to. Re- I've been meaning to read that for a long time. It's one of those things everybody's been telling me. Mister Mister Idiot, I thought it was just like a cheesy adapt. You know, continuation on the the John Carpenter movie. <laughs> You know, that's what I thought it was when I saw it hitting the stacks. I didn't read anything about it, so I was just like, ah, I don't know if I'm interested in, in that. I was interested in it, but I was too afraid that it would probably suck, like most of the right. weird the continuations that they were doing around that time period when it came out. So so I'm that and Sandman are two that I've been meaning to get to for, for years. Two S-Man stories. <laughs> and then... Uh... We have secret plans, secret plans for uh, for Please. commentary monthly Monday this month. Uh, you're just gonna have to wait and find out what they are. And also, there's a bonus Monday. Uh, Monday, I can't talk. Monday. There's a bonus. There's a bonus Monday in this month. And uh, again, we have special plans for that as well. So stick around. Come on back. Uh, enjoy the rest of July here on Two True Weeks. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two True Freaks.
Oh, also, th- this isn't the day this comes out, but the day we're recording it, it's Paul McCartney's 70th birthday. No so way, happy- really? Paul McCartney, yeah. 70 wow. years old. Actually, we're 23 minutes past his birthday, but yeah, we started recording on his 70th birthday. Can you believe that? Holy cow. He looks pretty good for 70. He still yeah, he looks does. like his grandma now, but he, you know, he doesn't look 70, so... Well, it's Good amazing up. what umpteen billion dollars can do for your complexion, you know. And I don't call him Sir Paul McCartney because I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm not going to support that monarchy stuff. Whatever, Sir Paul. <laughs> go, go slay a dragon, then you can really be a knight, as far as I can. Or start levitating stuff and get a lightsaber, then you can be a knight in my book. You know what? I think we might have an extra book that we might need to read this time around for, uh, yeah, we do. For what? For Star Wars Monthly Monday next time around. The, uh, a character in number 92. Do you remember the Star Wars annual number three? It was that story of, uh, of Darth Vader taking a secret apprentice. Yeah. That guy, that character, pops up in number 92. So we actually need to cover that annual as well. So I'm wondering how we want to do that. You know what I mean? He pops up in 92? Yeah. Hmm. Well, we can't actually do one and then the annual because the whole plan sort of hinges on us doing at least two, right? Kinda, yeah. So we could do... We could do... 90... Well, I mean, we could do all three. We could do 91, the annual, and 90. That that might make for a long show. It's got a lot of... You know, it's a lot of reading to do, but I mean, it's it's or possible. We could, we could skip Indiana Jones for that month, too. We could, yeah. If they the keep going like end- this, I'm prepared to jettison indiana jones anyway to be perfectly honest or it could become a very comedic (laughs) segment yeah we could always just rip the piss out of it too that i'm i'm up for that yeah i'm always up for that